Good, good, happy election day, everybody. Good morning this morning. Good morning this morning, everybody. Hello. Hello, Dollies. Hello, Dollies. Hello, Dollies. Good morning this morning. No polls? Don't fence him in, everybody. Don't do it. Yeah. What are you guys talking about? Polls. I'm pretty sure they open at uh, 6 a.m., Stanley. Fairly certain it's 6 a.m., buddy. Some of you might be already standing in line for crying out loud. I don't know, maybe you're not, maybe you are. What's uh what's what's happening? Are we okay? Okay. All right, just wanted to make sure we're trying to just get everything uh together here and ready to rock and roll as we begin the radio free element. So yes, yeah, Stanley, I think it's I think it's six AM, I'm pretty sure. So a lot of you uh, heading to the polls this morning. I, I actually hope that most of you are. Then I hope that most of you all are actually in a position where you're going to be uh, ready to rock when it comes to who you've decided to vote for. Some of you, I think, when it comes to the U.S. Senate vote, I would not be surprised if to a certain degree at a certain level – that you are going to have a decisive moment, maybe even in line. What do you think? Yeah, you, you think you're going to uh, you think you're going to make your decision while you're standing in line for the U.S. Senate race? There are a lot of people who are undecided. I think, and Mickey, I think they close at seven. I think they're closing at seven a.m. That would be the. Uh, that would be the time that the polls – I think I'm fairly sure that it closes at 7 a.m. So uh, that could be I, – I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I am uh, right about that. So 7 a.m. and 6. So uh, so what do you think uh, – I had one last night when I was looking at the feed on your page. You had a what? You had a decision? You made a decision? Coming up uh, today, later on, we're going to have uh, – Judge Napolitano on with us. He's going to be joining us at 720. And then a little later on, Paul Kirpman, who is running for state auditor, is going to be with us as well. And, of course, at 830, the great Doug Giles is going to be joining us too. So we're going to have a ton of fun with those those folks. And also, I don't know whether you have uh, been catching what's been going on with this this commentary that the – but Alex Jones – this, folks, should be menacing to all of you what's going on with Alex Jones because what's happening with him is we had a situation where uh, Alex Jones, has they pulled everything off of YouTube and Facebook and beyond. They've taken him down. And remember that there was a situation where we had Doug Giles in and he was telling us about – the need, the requirement 
to get a to, to 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 make sure that you had a different platform because otherwise you're going to be always be at the mercy always be at the mercy of someone else and if they decide they don't like you they're going to wind up taking you down so you're always going to be at the mercy of someone else and YouTube and Facebook they have proven it and that's what's what's going on so he is completely wiped off any kind of platform now obviously there are other platforms and welcome to the show Kim Paris thanks for joining us as well Kim and I talked yesterday about a variety of different ways to communicate with folks this one was was on YouTube but there's got to be some other platforms uh, some other ways uh, there is Hulu uh, there are other kinds of I, I, a bunch of different ways that you could get back on the air, but the problem is it's not really common. It's not really uh, it, it's not. Yeah, uh, Lisa Doug has his platform going, and this is Clash TV, and we're kind of using a, a, a different mode. It's almost like a Hulu mo- model, but still, it's hard to for people to kind of link up with it. I mean, imagine even with Radio Free Almond, how difficult it was to get people to download the app and then just punch the app. They were uh, used to punching a radio knob, but punching an app knob somehow was a little more foreign to them, even though it didn't seem and and, and shouldn't be uh, that difficult to, to pull off. Uh, it just is a foreign approach, and it becomes a uh, it be, it becomes something that people just aren't used to, and so it, it that becomes the challenge when it when it when it comes time to figure things out and get things working, and that becomes the challenge for people. So, even my experience with uh, Radio Free Almond, it's been hard to a certain degree to get these individuals to go ahead and pull the trigger. And do it. And yeah, believe it or not, sometimes it's not that easy and and and, and it becomes a real hassle for people. So and there are some older people who don't have the Facebook or some of them don't even have iPhones. And at that point, the radio dial is the only way for them to get it. But for most of you, you do have a way of reaching me. But even still, I've run into people who will say to me, hey, what's the deal with uh, your radio for y'all? I go, just download the app. Like, oh, that's cool. And it, and it can come right over your radio and everything when you Bluetooth it. So, But anyway, still, I was talking about Alex Jones and how difficult it is uh, sometimes to get people to go ahead and, and, and figure out uh, you know, how to, how to do things and how to pull things off. And uh, so Alex Jones is going to have to figure out a different kind of medium uh, to 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 talk to us on, and that's just is very menacing. That's that's very disturbing. And believe me, other people are next. Uh, these tech giants now have knowledge that they can do this, and they can pull people off, and they can keep people away. Is this censorship? Not technically, because it's not the government doing it. Censorship normally applies to a government act, but this is a form of censorship, obviously. It's censorship through monopoly. 
it, censorship through ownership of all different kinds of venues. And we talked uh, the other day about this possibility that it's – and with Jimmy Hoft, it's not beyond the realm of comprehension, people, that the government does step in. Because I know that I know that we are small government people, but it's not beyond the scope of the United States government to regulate commerce. That's kind of one of the enumerated powers of the of the federal government to begin with, and they have done this before, where they have utilized antitrust capabilities to break up monopolies. This has happened before. It happened in the days of J.P. Morgan. And it happened in the days of Southwestern Bell, the telephone companies. They've done this before. And right now we have a situation where the tech giants, Google and Apple, Facebook, they control pretty much everything. And they're buying up smaller companies or smaller entities and gobbling them up and taking them over. And it becomes a situation where I do believe that with limited Types of infusions with limited types of approaches, I do believe that ultimately the the government can have an ability to step in and we can retain our still conservative principles regarding smaller government. But at some point, yeah, it's not beyond the realm of comprehension they would try to uh, ultimately step in. So Alex Jones did address – uh, the the Apple situation. It's funny because he had the Apple logo, and then he had kind of like this communist this the the hammer and sickle approach to the Apple logo, and it was uh, it's been pretty compelling. He's off. He's gone, and there's there's really no way ultimately that he can he can come back uh, except through. Uh, you know through another platform, and he's going to have to he's going to have to decide what that platform is. And actually, Mark Kaysen aptly points out that censorship is what Stacey Newman did to me. Because what she did was she utilized the powers of the state government and her office to get me fired and to and to interfere with the contracts I have with my advertisers. And she was utilizing the powers of her state office to do that. That's when it becomes a real problem. When you have the ability to utilize through your state powers and your elected powers to shut down a voice that you don't like. And that's exactly what Stacey Newman, Newman did. And we'll obviously prove that in court. Alex Jones talking about what's been going on here uh, of late with his uh, situation. America here. has been sold out. Trump desperately has tried to get in there and change this. And basically just negotiate something where we're not totally subservient. And China, the EU, Davos have all said, no, we're going to crush the American people. Jack Dorsey said, we're going to crush this nationalist Trump conservative movement. He said that, what, six months ago? We're going to crush you. And they did. That's exactly what happened. And to Alex Jones and beyond. And so it's very, very scary. So keep in mind, again, there will be when you when you talk about trying to – hey, good morning. Gia G is in Arkansas now. She's going to be with us uh, next week at some point. Uh, Michael, what's up? Margaret, how you doing? Thanks for joining the show. And Michael Howard, thank you as well for being with us. But th- this, is the, this is the rub, and, and you're going to have as a conservative people who are uh, – 
who are going to get in your face and tell you you're not really conservative when you talk about breaking up monopolies. That's not true. It's completely within the realm of comprehension uh, for the federal government to act in cases where uh, there are stifling of competition and freedom. And when th- and the government should have no role in facilitating the stifling of freedom. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, with uh, your polling place? attendance this morning are you all in line right now maybe you are watching what's going on here are you deciding this morning who your senate candidate is going to be how many of you have decided as of this morning maybe you still don't know and you're heading to the polls i mean i think it's that tough for a lot of people to decide who they're going to vote for in the u.s senate race and so i'm i'd love to have uh, your views on who you're uh, going to the polls and and pulling the trigger for polls are open right now, and it apparently is fine weather wise. So don't forget that you're going to be able to uh, get out there, rain or shine, and uh, the polls are going to be are open as we as we speak. And some of you also, Anthony was talking about the the paper ballot versus the machine ballot. Do you all use the the paper or the machine? I I have to tell you. I do like the paper val- ballot, even though the box that you put it in looks a lot like a shredder. Just saying to me, I, I'm, I'm I'm no conspiracy theorist, but it looks a lot like a shredder to me. A little bit of problem, but so I I kind of go back and forth depending on how I feel. But I do tend to prefer the paper ballot, but the electronic ballot is uh, sometimes the way to go. But because that baby does look like a shredder, do you see what happened here with this? This situation regarding President Trump and his criticism of LeBron James and Don Lemon and other individuals who just happened to be black. And Michael Steele and the gang over at MSNBC didn't help much by insinuating somehow that because the president has dared to criticize or answer people who happen to be black, that that makes him racist. And also that he calls the people who he's going after dumb, like Maxine Waters. And Maxine Waters is dumb, and she doesn't have her blackness to shield her from being called dumb. But apparently that's what the Teflon happens to be, that somehow President Trump is a racist because he dares to to criticize Here's MSNBC leading into Michael Steele uh, on this uh, matter. And, 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 and by the way, this, this is a commercial first off the, off the bat. You don't need and it's a, a commercial for, for firearms. Over 150 pistols, level two retention, one holster. I have to love, I love these videos when I'm going into MSNBC clips. Invariably, every time I do it, whether it be clips from MSNBC or any kind of left-wing enclave, the ads on the YouTube video are always for guns or ammunition. I don't know how that works or how that, how that happens, but it's absolutely dreamy as far as I'm concerned. I love it. So why not just listen to the commercial ahead of time? Producing Omnivore. Feeds on almost anything with a rail. The Blackhawk. <laughs> ahead of tomorrow's special election. But before taking off for Ohio, he sent out a late night tweet insulting not one but two men of color, including one of the best. What is this men of color thing, by the way? 
I've, I've heard of the whole thing about uh, men of the cloth and, you know, men of means and men, to, men of uh, doctorate papers and things like that. Where did the men of color BS come from? Don't you it – doesn't, it adds a certain level of regalness to something that really is – it's somebody's – the color of their skin. It's their race. It's pretty simple. But this, this, uh, the way of couching it like, well, he talked – we criticized men of color. It's like, um, you mean black guys? Black people? Is that, what, is that what you mean by that? I think it is. Men of color, including one of the best basketball players of all time. Yeah, how dare you criticize one of the best basketball players of all time? They, they, are, they are beyond criticism in the United States of America when they are men of color and the best basketball player of all time. Quote, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made LeBron look... Which is true. Don Lemon is the dumbest man on television, so President Trump... Uh, one check in the victory column there. Which isn't easy to do. I like Mike. Mike. I don't really think that LeBron James is dumb, though. But it's okay to call him dumb when he's just kind of running his mouth over the fact that the president is divisive. When he can stare into Maxine Waters' cone and see her calling for attacks on her fellow Americans. It's pretty divisive, if you ask me. It's pretty divisive when news organizations accuse somebody just of criticizing a black person as being racist. That's pretty divisive, don't you think? I do. Worse is Michael Jordan. Jordan came to LeBron's defense saying, quote, I support LJ. He's doing an amazing job for his community. If you're black and you're running your mouth and you're wrong, you're going to be criticized. Your blackness doesn't prevent you, doesn't keep you, doesn't put the Teflon on you. Black, white, you could still be pretty stupid. And that's exactly what we're seeing right now is a festival of stupidity. It just so happens that a lot of them happen to be black people who are being stupid. Bad luck. First Lady Malone also came to LeBron's defense saying, quote, it looks like LeBron James is working to do good things on behalf of our next generation. From on all of this, I am joined by Gabrielle Bruni. We can- and it's true. LeBron James is doing good things for the future of our generation. Uh, if he would just stop being wrong and dumb about president Trump being divisive. So I think LeBron James does do good things. I'm glad he's doing it. I think he is an excellent basketball player. I've defended him on a number of occasions. I love it. How they call him Cleveland's uh, golden boy. It's like Cleveland hated this guy when he went to the Miami heat. I, I don't think Cleveland would have claimed him then. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a stretch to, Say that he's, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna quibble over those little small events. You know, I mean, here's the thing. I've also defended LeBron James in his right to speak or his purview when it comes to speaking out and criticizing other people. I, 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 I'm not one of those individuals who believe that athletes and singers and entertainers ought to keep their mouth shut. I think if you have a platform, you're you're going to use it, and I don't blame you for using it. If you're U2 or if you're LeBron James or if you're Jamie Allman, I, I want freedom for everybody. So I'm not, I'm not really a shut-up-and-sing kind of guy, uh, although that's how I would prefer my music. I would prefer not to have to have a political speech during a concert, but I don't believe 
it's within without out of bounds for a singer or somebody to use their platform to say something or speak about something they care about. I, I don't blame them for doing that. I don't blame people at the Oscars for mouthing off, but we're going to respond to it. That's for sure. But I want freedom for everybody. I want everybody to be able to say what they want to say and, and, and speak their minds regardless of what their job is. Just because you are an entertainer doesn't mean you shall not say anything. So I've defended their rights before, but when you're wrong, we're going to tell you. And when you're black and you're wrong, we're going to tell you. And when you're white and you're wrong, we're going to tell you. And when you're a black female and you're wrong, we're going to tell you. And you're a white female when you're wrong, we're going to tell you. I mean, you got to kind of get the drift here. It's pretty, pretty simple. For RNC chairman and MSNBC political analyst, Michael Steele. Uh, Michael, I want to start with you. Um, Except that I don't really know where to start. (laughs) (laughs) There is no Uh, This is a favored son of Ohio. This is not... Is LeBron James the favored son of Ohio? Because I mean, again, I'm not I'm not disputing the fact that that he's he's a former Cleveland Cavalier and now he's a Cleveland Cavalier again. I mean, no, he's not. He went somewhere else. And oh yeah, okay. But 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 here's the deal. I understand that that he's with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Went to the Miami Heat. Cleveland basically called him a traitor when he went to the Miami Heat. In fact, I defended LeBron James when he went to the Miami Heat. And I defended his freedom to move around and do whatever he was going to do. I defended all that for him. And I, I, I said, Cleveland doesn't own this guy. He's not like some hired help for Cleveland. If he wants to go to the Miami Heat and the money's better, then knock himself out. He ought to be able to do it. So I, I don't know whether he's – I guess he's the golden boy now, though. Did she call him a golden boy? No, favored son, I see. Yeah, you, don't, you can't say boy, apparently. You can't say – don't say golden boy when you're talking about a black guy. It's an election. But before taking off for Ohio, he sent out a late-night tweet insulting not one but two men of color, including one of the best basketball players of all time. Yeah, so make sure you're – and Michael Steele went on to say that it was racist and, and everything else, and – I have to tell you, Anderson Cooper, you gotta you gotta hand it to him. He really did try, in this case, to try and get these two guys who were on with him, these black commentators on with him. Uh, to, one of them was Cornell West to try to to say that President Trump is a racist. And Anderson Cooper, I'm gonna let you listen to the entire thing. Listen to how he tries to get them to say these are two. Black guys on TV with Anderson Cooper, and he can't get them to declare President Trump is a racist. It's unbelievable. I'm wondering what you make uh, of this, which is just the latest example of the president criticizing uh, a well-known African-American person on on intelligence. Well, I think we need to keep the focus where it belongs because it's clear that President Trump doesn't focus on what he ought to. The focus is on first... Gloria Marie James. Paris, what does it say to you that the president doesn't focus on what Dr. West is talking about and what Melania Trump certainly was, was fo- trying to focus on and instead just goes after him, calling him dumb? And same with Don Lemon, as he's called Maxine Waters, low IQ and others. What we know about this president is that he doesn't attack first, but he always responds. He'll respond to someone who's black. He'll respond to someone that's a woman. He'll respond to someone that's white. Right. It's fascinating to me, though, Paris. I, look, I get you're a supporter of the president, and, and, and that's your gig, and, and you can't... I want you to listen to this. 
So Anderson Cooper is talking to this black person, Paris, who is talking about President Trump and defending him. So what does Anderson Cooper do, the white liberal? What does he do? He decides that he is going to decide that this black person can't possibly be thinking for himself that this black person who is commentating has to have some kind of gig with the president. This has to be part of his shtick that he can't possibly in any way, shape, or form have an opinion that would be his own regarding President Trump. That This has to be some kind of uh, shtick of his. And now how do you think in terms of the soft bigotry of low expectation, how do you think that comes across in this little missive with Anderson Cooper where he can't – He's it's demeaning on a number of levels. It's what happens to Henry Davis. It's what happens to other individuals who talk and and they have to – insinuate somehow white people usually that they're somehow just tokens and they can't possibly have their own opinions about this. And this guy gets in Anderson's face about it. And I'm really happy about that. Publicly break from him because then you'll get in trouble, I guess. But Anderson, actually, just you're tr- wrong. I'm a grown man and I have my okay. own opinions. I don't work for the Trump right, administration. I've never worked right, for the campaign and they don't so pay you, me. You don't see, you don't believe that there is any commonality in the criticisms, his go-to criticisms on African-Americans. You don't see any any through line to this. The president has done this to african Boy, and Anderson Cooper's really trying hard, and these guys just aren't giving him one little ounce. Done this to African-Americans, to white people, to white men, to white women, to members of his own cabinet. Professor West, I mean, do you think there's a commonality in... in- <laughs> Please. Please. Do you think there's any commonality at all? Don't you think, isn't there anything remotely? Isn't, just a, isn't it just a little, can you just say it's an eensy-weensy bit racist? Can't you just say that, Mr. West? He, he has called He has called some white sisters uh, dumb. I think. Oh, please, don't say that. Some white sisters uh, dumb. I think he called Sister Mika on, on MSNBC dumb. So he- Yeah, Mika Brzezinski he's talking about. Yeah, he it, President Trump has called Mika Brzezinski dumb before, the white sister. He uses dumb across race, across <laughs> gender. He uses dumb across race and across gender, Anderson. I mean, I, I'm sorry that we have to break that news to you, but yeah, it kind of happens quite a bit where the president calls people dumb and it doesn't have to be racist. These guys were desperately trying to put that square peg in the, in the round hole and it just didn't work. And on top of that, Anderson Cooper decided that he was going to make matters worse by insinuating the black person who is supporting the president cannot possibly be doing it legitimately and must be doing it because he has some kind of gig going on, and he's paid. He finally got in Anderson's face. So that's the kind of uh, – that's the atmosphere we have, ladies and gentlemen, in this country and especially with the uh, with the news media. So good morning this morning, all of you heading out to the polls. The polls are, of course, open, and we have the biggest race. Of course, we have a lot of local things going on. I, I think, you know, there's – some of this stuff is – we know what the outcome's going to be. You know, Wesley Bell's not going to be the next Democrat prosecuting attorney candidate. 
and Corey Bush is probably not going to do anything in any way, shape, or form to get into Lacey Clay, those kinds of things. But the U.S. Senate race is one that is going to be very, very interesting to watch, and it's going to be fun to watch, I think, uh, but nerve-wracking for all the folks out there who are uh, desperately wanting your vote. Are all of you already sealed in terms of your vote? Father Miller, can you tell us who you're going to vote for? Margaret, I think we know who you're voting for. I think, is it Peter? I don't know. You, I, anyway, you guys are all uh, a total mix, and I appreciate that. And no one can say that here at Radio Free Almond that we did not uh, vet all these guys. We gave everybody every opportunity we could and plenty of opportunities to uh, tell us who they are. And in fact, in some cases, this was the only place that you were able to truly uh, get a long aired out look at these candidates. When they came in here, uh, every time they did, you were you're listening to them for a half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it happens to be. And we exhausted all of the all the avenues and 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 all of the issues with them. Hopefully, we covered it all the bases. And then when we had some issues with some things, we doubled back on them and talked to them about it. So I think uh, I will have to say I'm going to brag on Radio Free Almond just a little bit. I think of all the talk shows and all of the information shows out there, I do believe, and I can say with a certain level of uh, pride that we absolutely did vet these guys and give you guys all the tools you needed to make a good decision decision about the U.S. Senate candidates. And uh, there was a situation where I think Father Miller was asking about certain items that were supposed to be on the ballot. He thought were going to be on the ballot, like medical marijuana or smoking bans. Those are all going to be in November because they're just simply uh, propositions and issues and those kinds of things, ballot issues, so to speak, uh, petition-driven ballot issues. So those are going to be on the ballot on November. And uh, Father Miller, are you going to tell us who you voted for? It's okay if you don't. That's fine, that's fine too. Anthony Merkel. Uh, Margaret says she is definitely voting for Peter Pfeiffer. Uh, Anthony uh, you, he says he's pretty much sealed in his votes, and so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be down to the wire. My prediction is that whoever wins the Senate primary is probably going to win it with about maybe less than 25% of the vote. That's that's how I predict it's going to shape out. And I do believe that conservatives, you all out there, are definitely hitting the polls. You guys are definitely voting. You're definitely in the game here. There's I don't think there's anybody who is just out there phoning it in. And this idea somehow that conservatives are going to be complacent in the upcoming election, uh, I do believe that they're just a little bit off because we are as – energized and as motivated as we were in 2016, make no mistake about it, which means you got to be on top of things when you are uh, trying to think that we're just going to sit back and watch you take over. Now, keep in mind, the left wing are, they're very, very aggressive. They're getting out there. They're raising a lot of money. We have similar kinds of efforts underway at the at the national level when it comes to Republicans as well. So remember I talked to you about those grassroots voting 
groups who have people just from outside the district. They come in and canvass for somebody uh, who happens to be a Democrat uh, trying to help these individuals and raising a ton of money for some of these local races, these congressional races and beyond, trying to get more Democrats in. Well, Republicans have a similar effort. I've been trying to get these guys on for a while. John Bruner is involved in that effort up there in D.C. and is doing very well with it, uh, I might add. So I'm excited to have Cliff on with me just a little later on in the week. I think we're going to talk to him today. He's busy. He was doing kind of a round robin thing and was occupied most of the most of the day. But we're going to get him on eventually. So keep in mind, Republicans have the same kind of apparatus going where they're spreading out. They're canvassing. They've got volunteers who are going into districts that are tight. And even though those people don't live in the district, they're out there canvassing and campaigning for Republicans. So don't think that we don't have an effort underway to make sure we're battling you. Now, sometimes I have to admit, maybe we don't uh, sing as well as you do when you're outside the White House and you're protesting. Did you see what happened here with uh, Rosie O'Donnell? They were out in front of the White House, and there's this ongoing Trump protest now going to its uh, 22nd consecutive night there outside of the White House. And Rosie O'Donnell is uh, part of this whole deal. And these folks are just standing out there and, uh, you know, calling it the Kremlin Annex and, you know, pushing this collusion thing. And just basically it's just they're continuing to whine about the outcome of the election. And uh, oh, Peter Pfeiffer's on. Peter, good luck today, buddy. Appreciate uh, all that you did uh, on Radio Free Almond and all the efforts you made to get your uh, point of view out there in terms of uh, the U.S. Senate race. And so appreciate you, Peter, and uh, best of luck to you. So they're out there for the 22nd consecutive night. And I have to admit, these people, they sing pretty well. I mean, I don't know. I This is, this is the uh, – well, this is an ad, first of all. It's not a gun ad, though. Wow, what do you recommend? I, I, I'm a little disappointed it's not Closet a gun ad. Certified designers can help design your dream closet and organize your I kinda home. Wanna, I kind of want to hear it. I can skip it, but I kind of want to hear it. But th- listen to this. This is the uh, protesters outside. They sing pretty well. Kind of makes me a little jealous. Uh, For protesters, they sing pretty darn well. I mean, listen to this. Sorry. I don't know what this. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what this has to do with the protest per se, in terms of uh, like America the Beautiful. Uh, I guess they're insinuating somehow what that they're more patriotic than we are. I don't know, but they sing better than I do. Does there have to be a bongo every time? I mean, that's a beautiful song, and they're singing it really well, but then there's always that 
bearded hipster dude who's infiltrated the women, of course, as usual. I, he's not wearing a pussy hat or anything, but he's uh, but and he's out there, and he he's. He, do we always have to have somebody playing a bomb? Okay, you're left wing, you're liberal, you hate Trump. Sing, but you know what? You don't always have to have a bongo. They did have an accordion out there, though, which I thought was pretty uh, ingenious. I've always liked accordions. I was one time going to try to get uh, uh, Aiden to learn the accordion. That's kind of like my dad when he said that my future should be in tap dancing. It's like, Dad... You know, tap dancers are great. They make they live a long time and they make a lot of money. It's like I, I know, but I'm not gonna. Tap dancing isn't kind of where I'm gonna be going. Although, who knows? There's time left, right? <laughs> there's there's they're singing this song and, and okay, shush, shush. They're singing this song. And they're holding up this gigantic – everybody's got one letter in their hand, and it says treason. So they're holding up a sign that says treason and singing America the Beautiful. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, they says really sing beautifully uh, what is going on here. And, you know, it turns out they cheated. They're actually all a bunch of Broadway performers. They're, they're people from Broadway. I mean, at first I thought, oh, isn't this quaint? These people from these people who are these uh, these individuals who hate President Trump and think he's a traitor are are singing and they sing beautifully for people who think President Trump is a traitor. And then it turns out in the end that uh, that they're actually just people who are um, Broadway performers who somehow somebody managed to get the Broadway performers from New York to come on down and hold trader signs and sing beautifully. Gia says she can teach me to tap. It's true, though, isn't it, Gia? Uh, tap dancers live longer, so, Gia, you're going to be with us for at least 100 more years. Congratulations. Good for you. Yeah, but uh, believe it or not, my dad, uh, my dad really did want me Ultimately, to, to uh, I, I sh- that should be my hobby is tap dancing, just in case everything else uh, kind of uh, kind of went south. So that was his uh, that was his desire when it came time for me to uh, to, to be just uh, to to grow up finally to become a become a tap dancer. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, our national anthem.
for the bottom up and getting it together whether you are a hauler a builder concreter you name it you got it roofer your company is in good hands with my friends rick and jerry pogue and the rest of the gang over there at discoverydesigninc.com also really pleased to have chris kaneman on board from mattress king once you go to One Mattress King, One Mattress King on Facebook, where you can find a phone number, you find that phone number, you call that phone number, you make an appointment to see him. By appointment only, you can actually get a hold of the beautiful symbol mattress since 1961. Filled with bamboo, comforting for sure. Been sleeping on my brand new pillow too, this Flex material pillow that is uh, great for my neck. Love that as well. So he's got all kinds of different ways to make you ultimately very, very comfortable and getting a great night's sleep on the best, most inexpensive mattresses you're going to find anywhere in the land. And that is through my friends over at Mattress King and Chris Kahneman and his gang. And I say gang, but it's not many of them. And the reason why it's not many of them is because it allows them to keep their costs down no matter what is going on. And they just want to make sure they give you the least expensive mattress you're going to find, the most comfortable one. And they do it by appointment only to keep the overhead down. And that's the secret in terms of giving you the best priced and most comfortable mattress you're going to find anywhere else. That is with Mattress King, One Mattress King on Facebook. Check it out or just look it up there in St. Peter's and uh, pop on and give them a call, and you'll be uh, right in the thick of things. I was very curious about the situation regarding Fox News in those afternoon shows, and I don't know whether you guys know about uh, whether you tolerate the Shepard Smith, Dana Perino landscape there at Fox News. I I can't tolerate Shepard Smith. I He's a left-wing propagandist is what he is and his show it doesn't matter what's going on the show will be overtly focused on russia or whatever the russia bullcrap is you can count on shepherd smith having his usual syncophants on uh to talk about it and uh, the guy hates donald trump 
he's actually all but said it on his show, and it's pretty clear what's going on there on the Shepard Smith News Hour. At least they call you know it used to be the news deck, and I think they still call it the news deck. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to be an anchor and you're going to talk about being a journalist, then just then then either be one or just be Shepard Smith. And if, and if you want to call it Shepard Smith's take on the news, then knock yourself out. I mean, Sean Hannity, Sean Hannity doesn't say that he's that it's it's the news. It's the Sean Hannity show. It's the Laura Ingram show. It's the Tucker Carlson show. Or or the five or whatever, but it's all people who are very happy to tell you what their opinion is and aren't hiding behind this veil of objectivity. They're people who are not objective, but they tell you they're not objective. That's okay. You know, if, if most of the news people out there, folks, if uh, these guys came out and told me, David Muir or something, said, hey, I vote Democrat, I'd go, great. Okay, now let her rip. Let me hear the news. And I'd I'd be able to look at it and hear it through that lens of knowing the guy votes Democrat. Of course, I already do. But it, it it would help just for people to be honest. There's no such thing as an objective reporter or anchor. It It is impossible. They're all human beings. They all have opinions. And oftentimes, I've always told you, being in the news business as long as I have, the bias is usually almost exclusively in the formulation of what is not reported as opposed to what is. And and the words that are being used as, as opposed to, you know, whatever is left on the, on the cutting room floor. That that's usually how they how they do it. This it's what they sit in the newsroom and decide they're not going to mention to you. Or sometimes actually it's it's exactly uh what, what they mention to you and they absolutely leave it out. And, and in fact, in a situation where they the this whole so called Trump reverse what am I hearing? I'm I'm hearing something. Is it raining? Is that rain? That is hail. That's hail. Are my headphones that loud? Or, or, but, but that's loud. Oh, that ought to help voter turnout. A bunch of a bunch of ice rocks falling from the sky. That ought to encourage people. Can you guys? Can you guys? By the way, I'm just just for the sake of uh, <laughs> exposition. Can you guys hear the rain through my microphone? I don't. I'm just trying to tell. I'm trying to see whether is it true that my headphones are really that loud? Or can you guys hear or, or can you guys I listen, Matt, I know my headphones are loud, but but it but they can't be that loud. Gail can't can you hear it? No, you can't not really. Okay, never mind. 
just me. I'm here. I'm. I'm. I, it sounds like there's a locomotive outside. Yeah, Gia, the, the cover is on. I've gotten. I've gotten really good at that. Yesterday, I was driving and I stopped at a at a. Uh, filling station, and I I put that roof back on just because I checked the weather radar. So I, on my uh, Dave Sinclair Jeep, so I, I I've gotten pretty good at at knowing what's going on. But that's hail. Sounds like sounds like the world is ending out there, and, and so much so much for the the, the possibility of uh, of getting people. Well, ho- hopefully rain isn't keeping. Hopefully, rain isn't keeping people out of there, out of the voting booth. But, but this would this would tend to kind of uh, hamper turnout a little bit when people are getting pelted with rock ice rocks. That hail better not damage my jeep. I'll tell you that. When I touch my jeep, Lord's going to spare my jeep. I hope. All right. So anyway, let me go back to what I was saying before. Before I was so rudely interrupted by nature. So. Before I get back to the afternoon shows on Fox, so ABC, NBC all reported yesterday with a straight face that President Trump was somehow reversing himself. Headline involving the president tonight, the meeting at Trump Tower with Russians, the president now tweeting that the meeting was about getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. The president's son... I got news for you. Is there a volume here there? Okay. Uh, I got news for you. The, the, The president already told us that that was the case. The president, the president already said that. David Muir reported yesterday, and so did NBC, that the president... president the other major headline involving the president tonight, the meeting at Trump Tower with Russians, the president now tweeting that the meeting was about getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. The president the pre- now tweeting that the meeting was about getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. Do you realize that... The president already said that, right? He said that a year and a half ago that this meeting was about getting dirt on Hillary Clinton. This is nothing new. The president's son, Donald Trump Jr., was at that meeting. The president's aides once acknowledged the president helped his son explain the meeting months later. The president has argued getting opposition research on your opponent is perfectly legal. But this would have involved a foreign adversary potentially helping in a U.S. election. I, why don't we let the Justice Department figure that one out, David? Apparently, David Muir is now holding a trial on, at the anchor desk there at, uh, at, at ABC. Here's ABC's chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl, on this front. All right, you don't need to hear this anymore. But, but that's what they're, they're saying, that Trump is reversing himself on the, on the reason for the meeting. And he hasn't reversed himself at all. He said at the very beginning that the meeting was because somebody offered some dirt on Hillary Clinton and they were curious about what was going on. And so whether or not legal or illegal will be something that the people who are tasked with uh, meeting out justice will decide. But in the meantime, I'll wait and I'll skip over David Muir's verdict on the matter. Anyway, that's the kind of reporting that you get where sometimes it's just outright lies or or they just leave stuff out of the stories. Usually the bias comes from what they leave out. So anyway, back to Fox News' afternoon shows. And we've got Shepard Smith, and then we've got Dana Perino. Now, I, I don't care for Dana Perino. I don't know what she's – I don't know – she's not very talented. 
as a news anchor. And I'm sorry to say she's she's a she's a reader. She and her dumb dog Jasper. She you can tell that she's reading every single word that comes out of her mouth. She's prompter frozen. And she's just not a very good anchor. She comes with a large degree of experience because she worked for President Bush and was a very able, capable press secretary at the time and always actually kind of liked her when she was doing the press briefing. She had a little bit of her uh, – a little bit of Sarah Huckabee Sanders before Sarah Huckabee Sanders had hers. And so uh, she's – she comes with a level of – there's no way people can't hear that. Either your microphones are awesome. Your microphones are probably awesome, aren't they? I'm hearing it. It's like it's like raining cats and dogs out there. Are you sure you guys don't have a tin roof here? You don't have a tin roof? Okay. Thought maybe Gaslight had a tin roof. Tin roof rusted! So anyway, Dana Perino is not a very talented person, and she and Chris Steyerwald were never Trumpers. And <laughs> Margaret's like, Jasper's not dumb. I don't know, you know, who knows? Don't call me a racist. I just called Jasper dumb. So Dana is just kind of one of these prompter frozen anchors. And I guess because of her background, she's valuable to them, but she's not very good at what she does. And she and Chris Steyerwald had a show on a while back, and it was kind of this never Trumper show. But anyway, apparently now you guys remember Sebastian Gorka. Now, Sebastian Gorka is a really good guy and I think is an awesome dude and came in actually at one point and stumped for Tony Minetti. He came in and endorsed Tony Minetti. But the hard news shows that we call them at least, they call them hard news shows, but that's stretching a little bit with Dana and Shepard both have, have refused to have Sebastian Gorka on and he has not been on for let's see what's the date now for almost uh, a year or so and if you boil it all down it's because in my opinion uh he is a Trump supporter, and he is a guy who will basically, when you say something, he'll get in your face about how wrong you are. He's also a guy who has talked, yeah, Lise, I, li- I like that song too, the B-52s, how awesome, the, the um, Love Shack. Anyway, Sebastian Gorka is not likely to go on with Shepard Smith and say, yes, Shepard, you're right. Yes, Shepard, exactly. Yes, Shepard, whatever you say. Yes, Shepard, Russia, 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 treason, treason, treason. Yes, Shepard, yes, yes. Yes, Shep, whatever you say. I have a feeling that whole afternoon hour is staffed by people who have pictures of somebody up there in the higher echelons of Fox News. It's the only reason I can imagine that they're on there. But I'll give you a taste of what Sebastian Gorka's like if you guys don't know already. Great guy, by the way. Had a great opportunity to have a good conversation with him uh, when he was in town uh, for Tony. And just overall a, a fantastic guy. But he's a fighter. 
He's a guy who will get in there and get in your face. And in this case, he's on BBC's show, and he's talking about uh, – you know, fake news and all that kind of thing. Well, we're joined by um, Sebastian Gorka now, who's a deputy assistant to President T- Trump uh, from within the team there. Very good evening to you. Do you think his press conference was a bit unhinged, uh, Mr. Gorka? Uh, is there anything? Is, is, your there, is, there, is, is, is there is there anything such as a bit unhinged? Is isn't it kind of like um, partially destroyed? You're either unhinged or you're not unhinged. You're never a bit unhinged, are you? Because unhinged itself means you're unhinged. Anyway, I don't want really to be too picky, but I'm just saying. This is a man who on CNN by his own media colleague, Michael Wolf, was called ridiculous for his obsession for attacking Mr. Journalist President Trump. L- Laura Liz, by the way, hey, Laura, uh, is saying, first of all, I don't hear the rain or hail coming through your microphone. And secondly... I'm not getting a drop of rain out here. So Laura's living in a different, uh, a different frontier. She's living it. She's living a different life than I am currently here on uh, on the hill. So uh, very funny, Laura. Uh, she, she says, I don't, "Where are you, by the way?" Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see. I can't. I can't see. Uh, oh, she's out there. And so apparently, all of you out there in God's country in St. Charles and beyond maybe aren't getting any rain. But anyway, Sebastian, great defender of President Trump. This is a man who I'd ask your viewers to just Google Brian Stelter, fake news Delta Airlines, who propagates right. <laughs> himself absurdities on the media. Okay. So, no, it was a fabulous press conference. Right. Um, can I just ask you a couple of factual questions? So, so these guys don't like Sebastian Gorka at, B, at the BBC or beyond, and that's kind of why uh, they are not on the afternoon shows, because the afternoon shows all kind of promote, although they call themselves hard news shows, really what they are are shows that promote kind of a mainstream media view of President Trump or uh, a, a decidedly leftist view, as in the case of Shepard Smith. So uh, it, it absolutely is true that they, uh, they, they carry water, in my opinion, for the New York Timesy type of folks, as opposed to the folks who uh, want a more fair and balanced viewpoint, and uh, or just at least in delivering the news. So Sebastian is not very useful to them in, in that sense. So good morning this morning from the Discovery Design Studios today, Election Day. A lot of you getting out there. Maybe some of you are having your last-minute decision-making going on, and I know that some of you are maybe even deciding in your cars along the way. If you voted already, feel free to go ahead and chime in. And let me know who you voted for coming up in just a few minutes. Judge Napolitano is going to be on with me to talk about the Gates testimony and other uh, testimony that we're seeing uh, regarding the uh, the Manafort case and beyond. And so we're going to follow up on that a little bit and follow up on what's happening with, with the Manafort case in, in general. By the way, Manafort, if you don't re- remember this factoid, is actually being – uh, is on trial for something that normally wouldn't n- has never really actually been charged before. It's un- unusual to charge somebody the way they've been charging Manafort. So I'll ask uh, the judge about that. And keep in mind, uh, Judge Napolitano is likely going to make also kind of a last minute pitch 
for none other than uh, Austin Peterson. So I'm going to let him do that because he's they're they're friends, and so I I want to be able to allow him to uh, talk a little bit about uh, that as well. I saw this story in the Post Dispatch. It was very interesting. I don't know whether you all notice that the Post Dispatch has a every once in a while they'll they'll have a little feature called you know this month's mugshots, and they will have pictures of people and and the entire month's worth of mugshots, and then I've I've seen where they've had kind of a year in review of. Mugshots. Amy, by the way, she says she has it down to three candidates. Would you care to share who those three candidates are, my dear, uh, of yours? I don't want any of you to uh, to reveal anything you don't want to reveal, but I would like to kind of know where you're heading these days. So, but Amy says she has it down to three candidates here on voting day. I mean, that's how hard it's been for people to decide. Anyway, the Post-Dispatch has Prince mugshots. What I always thought was kind of odd, uh, an, an odd thing for a newspaper to do anyway. Uh, I, I think it's uh, – listen, these people who have committed crimes, uh, that's their problem, not mine when it comes to having your mugshots I, or, or are arrested for committing crimes. But keep in mind, these people whose mugshots are in the newspaper have not been convicted of anything yet. They've been arrested, but they haven't been convicted of anything. And the Post-Dispatch still puts their pictures in the paper as a monthly feature, so to speak. So if you if you care about that kind of stuff, you will just go and just, what, look at 60 mugshots for your entertainment on your lunch hour. I don't know who really does that, but apparently the Post thinks that it's it's a good thing to do. But anyway... They have a story about this website that's out there that posts arrest photos of St. Louisans, and now they're accused of breaking the law by telling people that the only way to get the mugshots off of their site is to pay them. So it's stlouismugshots.com, and they also have an associated Facebook page. And the suits claim that there were two people, uh, Kevin Boone and Jardina Crean, who filed separate lawsuits Monday in St. Louis Circuit Court against this guy, Edmund Ben Talk, claiming he owns stlmugshots.com and this Facebook page. And the suit claims that Talk is violating a state law that prohibits anyone from profiting off people's criminal histories. I'm thinking to myself, um, okay, so if you go to the This Month in Mugshots, don't you have to still, like with the Post-Dispatch, like a lot of their stories, is you hit it and, and they'll say, that'll be 99 cents, please. Right? I mean, don't you? Sometimes they'll have articles out there where they'll say, uh, hey, to read further in this article, subscribe to the St. Louis Post Dispatch. And I'm not sure if they do that with the mugshots they put on, but they're clearly making money off their newspapers, right? I mean, they, they sell their newspapers, correct? And online, oftentimes you have to pay to see things, you have to have a subscription. So. 
uh, isn't the Post actually profiting off people's criminal histories as well? I, I don't know. How is there a state law that says people or anyone from profiting off people's criminal histories? I guess it means they can't like get money from them to not report. I don't know. I know the Post Dispatch doesn't make people pay to take the mugshots off. Uh, in fact, they they don't they don't even offer that option. Like if you went to the Post Dispatch and you're poor so and so, and you were arrested, but you don't believe you're guilty and you haven't been proven guilty yet. If you go to the post-dispatch, can you actually say, don't put my mugshot up there? I don't even think they offer that as an option. You have to have your mugshot up there on the post-dispatches page. So I thought it was interesting that uh, – and I think it's rude to, to, to charge people to take their mugshots off the page. I, I think the whole mugshot thing is uh, – is a little off anyway. I think if you're, uh, it's, it, there's just something about you know parading people around in this venue that uh, seems a, slightly unseemly to me. But I, I realize it's all public information, and mugshots are mugshots. And the Post Dispatch certainly had a hell of a lot of fun with Eric Greitens' mugshot. Boy, they couldn't use that often enough. I think when the the mugshot first came out of Governor Greitens, I think they made it a half page feature, the the mugshot of Eric Greitens. So anyway, what's funny about this is what happens when when they do the uh, do when they do the story about these people who don't want their mugshots up anymore. Because because one of them, this guy Boone was and Green both were arrested several years ago for allegedly failing to register their vehicles. Uh, and they wanted their photos removed because uh, it's no longer an issue or they went ahead and, and had this all adjudicated and figured out, and so they don't want their mugshots up at stlmugshots.com anymore. And Boone is a teacher in St. Louis and a former post-dispatch sports writer, And he learned that his mugshot was online from his students and colleagues. (laughs) And Green is a Tai Chi teacher, and she found out from relatives, friends, and students of hers that her mugshot was at stlmugshots.com. So apparently these people actually, whoever they're, uh, people like to go to stlmugshots.com. So keep in mind, the, the, the premise of this story is that these people are embarrassed by their, having their mugshots online and are very upset that this website was going to make them pay to get their mugshots off of the website. So the, so the, so the whole idea was that these people should not – don't want their mugshots public, right? So they're suing to – Keep this guy from putting their mugshots out there at stlmugshots.com. So let me ask you this. What do you think then ultimately the Post did when they're doing the story? You know what the Post-Dispatch did? The Post-Dispatch put their mugshots in the paper. So So the two people who didn't want their mugshots on and who have said take 
My mugshot off of stlmugshots.com. This is old news. It's embarrassing. And then we're mad because the guy wanted to charge them money to take it off of there. So they do the story in the post dispatch and they and they put the and they put and they put the mugshots in the post dispatch. I'm like, okay. So now people this is crazy. These two people who filed a lawsuit didn't want their mugshots at stlmugshots.com. One of them taken off because it's embarrassing because they're both public people and their students are noticing their mugshots in the paper. This post-dispatch does the story and puts their mugshots in St. Louis's major daily. So the people who uh, – these people who didn't want to be public, now everybody knows they have a mugshot. I mean, because very few people go to stlmugshots.com. Now everybody is uh, knows about them. It just is the oddest thing. But at least the Post-Dispatch didn't make them pay in the event that they didn't, uh, they didn't want their mugshots in the paper. But that's your weird news media for you. Weird rules they have there. By the way, did you see how the news media now has turned to – how they believe that journalists are going to possibly get injured or killed because of uh, President Trump. In fact, they even said that they believe that there's going to be a a Charlie Hebdo moment. Remember when those people went into that newspaper because of the uh, the Mohammed cartoon and killed all those people in the newsroom? They think this is going to. Uh, they think this is good. You're, yeah, you're right, Anthony. It's no different than TV stations showing these mugs. I just think the mugshot thing is a little bit uh, much. Anyway, now the news media, first of all, people who are in real danger in the world of journalism are the ones we need to be concerned about. We need to be concerned about journalists, for instance, in Mexico who are being killed, what, every two weeks or so. Because they're exposing situations with the drug cartels or corruption in government. You have to be worried about journalists, for instance, some of them in the Philippines who are being attacked because they're uncovering corruption within certain police departments there or with uh, drugs and those kinds of things. Or go to anywhere in Russia or maybe even Syria, journalists being kidnapped We've seen journalists kidnapped in the Middle East by al-Qaeda and by ISIS. Those are journalists who actually are in real danger. Journalists, for instance, uh, in Egypt, remember the woman who worked for CBS News who was surrounded by these Egyptians during Obama's celebrated uh, um, Arab Spring. Remember that? It wasn't so fun of an Arab Spring for the woman who was surrounded by a bunch of Arabs and and groped and and attacked and everything else. Anyway, those are journalists who are in in real danger. Jim Acosta isn't in any danger. Trump supporters aren't going to lift a finger to attack a journalist because that's just not what we do. That's not that's not who we are. We don't go, for instance, to Democrat rallies and throw eggs in people's faces. We don't go to rallies where people are standing in line and harass them, punch them, 
or otherwise try to intimidate them or engage them in some kind of uh, fight. We don't go to baseball fields where elected members of Congress might be playing a charity game or trying to practice for a charity game and open fire on them with a firearm. That's not what we do. So the people who actually we don't we don't hit the streets and start uh, breaking car windows and burning things when an election doesn't turn out well for us. We don't go to, for instance, as we saw in Portland, where there was a rally for a U.S. Senate candidate. We don't go to these events and attack people and break windows and, and fight them and scream at them and yell at them. We don't do that. So these journalists who think that we are going to hurt them are out of their minds. And in fact, you can't see one example where a journalist has ever been attacked, harmed, or otherwise intimidated by a Trump supporter other than saying CNN sucks. In fact, journalists in America are safer than Trump supporters in America. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And you hear what the truth is here? Based on the facts, based on the evidence, based on news stories, television clips, you name it, Trump supporters and conservatives are in more danger, physical danger in this country than journalists are. So excuse me if I don't want to have to listen to individuals whine about all of this stuff when it comes to what's going on in the world of criticism and beyond. Please, people, spare me your little petty concerns because the bottom line is you're not in danger. You're not nearly in danger as the poor sucker who decides to exercise their freedom to assemble on behalf of conservative candidates and on behalf of individuals who just happen to be individuals who are supporting a certain candidate uh, and, and, and wanting to express their desires to, uh, to vote for a particular individual. So I'm not really too concerned about them. We're going to be back with uh, Judge Napolitano. He's going to be uh, coming on with us. You can turn this microphone up. I've got some music playing here, buddy, and then we'll go ahead and uh, we'll get off to the races with uh, Judge Napolitano. The Matt working here? Yeah, I do have it on. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to figure this out. I, I guess it's not working for whatever reason. Maybe that thing is stuck in there now. I can't even get the audio from it. it All right, hang on, people. Hang on, my. Well, you know that that, that means that I'm not going to be able to get Judge Napolitano on then. I'm going to send you. I'm going to kill all the mics and everything, and send it to break, and then you can pull it up. I don't. But I don't think I can get Judge Napolitano on if I can't hear him on the speaker. Yeah. Um. Okay, here I'll do. I'll use my phone. I'm gonna use my phone. Hang on. Okay. I'm gonna play some music, folks. I'm gonna take a break here. Excuse me, but but uh, I'm new, I'm new to this business. If you don't mind, I'm I'm, I'm just uh, I gotta take a break here and then get Judge on.
and then I'll get some music up for you here real quickly, and then uh, get the uh, get the judge on. Yeah, let me just get my music. Hang on, people. Uh, just uh, let me uh, let me just get going here, and then I'll be ready to go. Okay, there we go. Well, if I Napolitano, and I'm so glad to have you on with me, buddy, and you are just the best, and I'm so thankful for all you've done and for all you continue to do for greatness and for truth, and buddy, let me tell you something. Let me hit the here comes the judge and uh, on my computer here, and I'm ready to rock. Here comes the judge. Here comes the judge. Judge Napolitano, welcome to the show. You have one of your... What a pleasure to be back on air with you. Congratulations on your new show and all the best. Yeah, it's going great, and we're about to build some uh, new studios here, which is going to be great. And we've got uh, things are rocking and rolling. And having been uh, now on since uh, May 7th, things are going really, really well. And we've got a great bevy of uh, advertisers, supporters, and a ton of people watching and listening to you right now here on Facebook and on my stream and beyond. And so uh, I appreciate you very much, Judge. And this morning, uh, Missourians are going to the polls, and some of them are in all likelihood voting for a uh, very good friend of yours, a former colleague of yours as well, 
uh, Austin Peterson, who is a great guy. I've had him on the show a number of times. He has had one of the most invigorated campaigns I've seen in a long time. He's, his supporters and his social media just unbelievably uh, uh, assertive and enthusiastic. And so uh, you are a fan of his. Oh, boy. Yes, I am. I mean, we worked together for a number of years here at Fox, but I I know how he thinks, and he believes in the primacy of the individual and in minimal government. So if you want big government and a lot of regulations and a lot of transfer of wealth and a lot of you need the government's permission to do all kinds of things, well, then you should vote for his big government opponent. But if you want somebody who will challenge government, Republican or Democrat, when it interferes with personal liberty or private property or economic opportunity, uh, then Austin Peterson is your guy. He's also personally courageous, um, intellectually honest, and really doesn't care uh, if he bucks a trend or if he bucks the establishment. In fact, I think he relishes bucking a trend and bucking the establishment. You know what's interesting uh, when it comes to uh, Austin Peterson that, that I find uh, fascinating about his transition into the Republican Party is uh, having had a lot of success as a libertarian candidate. Uh, it, it seemed like 2016 and 2017, 2018 and beyond that the libertarian element is now perfect for uh, a, a an infusion into the Republican Party because with President Trump in office, and I realize there are some people who have some questions about you know his approach to the Fourth Amendment and even for that matter uh, Kavanaugh's approach to the Fourth Amendment, but uh, but still it seems like President Trump has widened out the party to a certain degree and has allowed for the inclusion of people like Austin Peterson, which I think is perfect. Well, I mean, I, I, yes and no. Yes, there is room in the Republican Party for libertarians, uh, but they're a very small minority and the establishment doesn't like them. You can look at the way Mike Lee and Rand Paul are treated in the, uh, in the Senate and the way Justin Amash and Thomas... Massey are treated in, in the House almost as if they're, uh, you know, a, a far-off distant branch of the family that we're just going to tolerate. But that is a step in the right direction compared to when Ron Paul first ran, and the idea of libertarians was anathema. Of course, the whole conservative movement in America, in my view, the modern conservative movement, was born in 1964 uh, with Barry Goldwater. And Goldwater, with the exception of foreign policy, was a real libertarian who profoundly shook the establishment, was rejected by them, only to be succeeded by Ronald Reagan, who had tremendous libertarian instincts. So, yes, Jamie, this does go back and forth, back and forth. Is there room in the Senate for Austin? Of course there is. Uh, would he be a great and courageous uh, senator there? I think uh, absolutely. The question is, is are, are the people of Missouri ready for him? I think he would he would beat Claire McCaskill hands down, and the polls have shown that. You know, it is interesting. And, and before we start to talk about Rick Gates here, real quickly, but I, I will have to say that I was originally uh, when Rand Paul was running for president, I was an original Rand Paul supporter. And then when Rand started to kind of wind his campaign down just a little bit, he did appear in some debates with President Trump. But when I heard President Trump's uh, 
initial intro when I heard his announcement that he was running for president, he had a lot of things in there that really attracted me. So it became an issue whether it was Rand Paul or Donald Trump. I know that's an unusual kind of uh, uh, twosome to have, you know, thinking about because they're both different people, obviously. But uh, Rand Paul, I was a huge and, and still remain a huge fan of his. All right, so uh, Rick Gates. He's. This didn't really work out well for the prosecution, correct? Well, I, man, I, it, it's too early to say. I mean, you and I are repelled by the government putting a witness on the stand who was admitted to so much uh, criminal wrongdoing and, and lying. But this usually works. I mean, I have seen countless cases where the government cuts a deal. Uh, with one of the co-defendants, as it did in this case. Remember, uh, Rick Gates and Paul Manafort are former business partners. They ran the Trump campaign together. After Trump fired Manafort, Gates stayed on as the number two person up to the time of the inauguration. But uh, Gates now testifying against his former business partner, admitting not only to stealing from banks at, at what he says was Manafort's instruction, but stealing from Manafort himself. Nevertheless, juries often believe this kind of testimony. They really don't care if the witness is imperfect. So it's too early to judge. He's got about three hours of direct testimony coming today and about three hours of cross-examination. We'll have a pretty good feel for where this is by 5 or 6 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, But we don't know now. They haven't even gotten into the specifics yet. They've just sort of uh, painted with broad brush his relationship to Manafort and his familiarity with Manafort's uh, financial dealings. And one way to look at this is, you know, he was bribed. The government said to him, instead of prosecuting you and putting you away for 60 years, 6-0, like we're trying to do to your former partner, we'll give you, we'll expose you to just a couple months in jail if you tell the jury what we want to hear. That is an enormous thing of value given to a witness in order to affect his testimony. If defense counsel gave a witness so much as a lollipop to affect his testimony, (laughs) that both would be indicted for witness tampering. So we have two different standards here, a standard that the government can enjoy and a standard that uh, defense counsel cannot enjoy. We'll see where it ends up. Yeah, very interesting. And I I have to say that, uh, as you point out, even with somebody who might be and I realize there's always this talk about the, uh, the 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 jailhouse testimony. Like if somebody is a cellmate or something, sometimes they are impugned because of the fact that they are criminals. And how can you believe a criminal? But in the end, uh, facts are facts. Uh, and as you point out, juries are uh, usually more than capable of being able to discern uh, what is a fact and what isn't, regardless of the background or – experience or even criminality of the person who is uh, talking about them. Yes. Yes, exactly. So we'll see where it goes. There's a lot of other evidence uh, in the case. I don't know how Manafort is going to refute it. And then, of course, there's the argument that none of this has anything to do with Russia or the reasons for which uh, Mueller's office came into existence. But I think we're beyond that now. The uh, about three different federal judges have ruled that Manafort, or excuse me, that Mueller can go anywhere uh, that the evidence that his investigators find lead them, no matter the defendant and no matter the nature of the charge. All right. And finally, I know you're a busy man this morning. Uh, President Trump, 
I see a headline here in the Washington Post that Trump is trying to argue collusion isn't illegal, but he's admitted it is on multiple occasions. What is this discussion? We, we continually have it and hear it from even Giuliani, for that matter, about whether collusion is illegal or legal or whatever. Well, when, when Rudy Giuliani says collusion is not a crime, he's correct. I mean, this is not even a legal word. This is a Hollywood and a media word. The federal statute prohibits soliciting or receiving or agreeing to solicit or receive anything of value from a foreign person, entity, or government. Now, there's no use of the word collusion there. The actual word is conspiracy. So conspiracy is an agreement to break the law. Whether the law was actually broken or not, the essence of the crime is the agreement. So if a group of people agreed for Hillary Clinton or for Donald Trump to receive something of value for the campaign from the Russians, even if that thing never showed up, the agreement is the crime. That is probably what Bob Mueller is looking for. But to call this collusion is basically sophistry, you know, a uh, an argument w- without a without a valid uh, premise. So where this is going to go, I don't know. It's uh, it, it it's really up to Mueller to decide how he wants to uh, proceed with this. Does he have enough evidence to suggest that the meeting with the Russians and the meeting they had ahead of time to plan the meeting with the Russians was part of a conspiracy to accept anything of value from them? Only he knows that. Well, I guess this is where we're hearing that uh, Bob Mueller is focusing, like as I've heard, on conspiracy instead of an actual event. Uh, like where, yes. Interestingly enough. The conspiracy statutes are written to make it easy for the government to convict. Uh, often these are thought crimes because there's no harm. Uh, but nevertheless, there's a lot of people in jail for these thought crimes, and the federal statutes permit it. We'll see where they go in this case. All right. Judge Napolitano, are you headed off to the uh, farm or a vacation? You usually take your vacation I, in August? I am. I am. We will, we will talk next, the day after Labor Day. So I'm looking forward to my break. Absolutely. Well-deserved. And uh, you've been a very busy man of late, busier than I've ever seen you. And, of course, uh, we appreciate you. And thank you so much for uh, rejoining the Almond Radio brand and Radio Free Almond. And we appreciate you and love you. And I thank you, you so much. All the best to you. All the best to you, too. And happy vacation. Thank you, man. All right. Take care. That's uh, Judge Napolitano. And, and, you know, uh, the the – Austin Peterson relationship it used to be uh, Austin Peterson one time worked as a producer for him and did some uh, TV with him and beyond. So, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting little little deal. So who are you all voting for today? Have you made it out now that the hail has ended, even though those of you in God's country have not experienced any such hail? Are you uh, have you have you decided or are you uh, kind of like me where uh, I'm? been in a situation where I actually, even as of, I, I, I will tell you right now, and, and I'm not just, I'm not kidding you here. I will tell you right now that as of right now, and I'm going to be voting later on today. Okay. Uh, as of right now, I do not know who I'm voting for. Matt, are you voting today? Are you voting in the Republican primary? Okay. So do you know who you're voting for? 
Oh, okay, Matt knows who's are you would you are you gonna tell us or are you just gonna come on in here for a second? I wanna uh, now keep in mind Matt uh, Mikel, how do I how do I I'm gonna pronounce your last name though because McElrath, okay. I thought I've never had to actually use your last name. Oh, here. <laughs> yeah, turn the mic on. Come on in here. I want to ask Matt for a second because Matt's interesting because we, uh, when we first came into Gaslight, um, keep in mind, th- these guys didn't really know uh, what to, to do with us because we didn't, they didn't know kind of, they, they, Gaslight is a musical entity and it's a bar and they have a lot of local musicians and they record in the studio and the studio we're in right now is where some celebrated bands who I played time and time again on my radio show and beyond have actually performed right here before they go to the um uh what's the what's the, what's the music festival that we have here in Lufest. They come in here sometimes and, and jam before that. So, uh, and, and Matt is probably typical of a lot of people out there who don't always kind of aren't focused always on conservative talk or conservative. They're, they're just people living their lives who certainly have opinions about things, but aren't like just one way or the other all the time. And so that was curious because when we first came here, you guys were like, I don't know. Uh, I have my view of Republicans. I have my view of Democrats. And usually I just uh, – I'll discern. I'll take it issue by issue, yeah. correct? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a uh, a voter who who goes on policy over party. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So – and, and, and that's a lot – there's a lot of independence here. And so so you're going to vote in the Republican? I think so, yeah. I think I've uh, got my guy. I've been swayed. So who is it? Well <laughs> – Can you tell us? Suspense, you feel like- the suspense mounts? Um I'm I'm leaning toward Minetti. Oh, really? I'm leaning toward Minetti. I like his uh, his ethic of you know being a, a servant of the people and wanting to continue that on. And I like the way the man talks, so he he won me over. That's really interesting. And and the reason I say this is because uh, you know Tony is kind of one of these guys who is uh, has never held elected office before, and 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 I'm sure that's to a level of attractive to you, right? It is, yeah. It makes it feel like the everyman. You know what I mean? It feels like a common person that I would see down the street as I'm walking my dog or whatever. You yeah, know what I mean? so. yeah. And now, have you? Uh, I'll ask you this. I'm not trying to. You know, have you? Do you feel like when when we had these people on Radio Free Almond that is this where you kind of heard them the most in terms of what they've been saying or have you just kind of went out on your own and investigated? Yeah, well, I mean, being in here, obviously, because they've come in so much, I've got to meet all of them <laughs> right. multiple times and hang out with them. And I like everybody. That's not, you know, hopefully no one says, oh, Matt's picking this guy. He doesn't, must not like me. It's not that at all. It's no. Like 100% just listen to what I was showed. I listened to the, the Democratic side, too, to see which way I wanted to go, because like I said, I'm policy, not party. And Tony Minetti got my... Got All right, man. Vote, man. Just a little, uh, just a little sense of how people are thinking out yeah. there. Thank you, brother. I no appreciate problem. you very much. Is my thing up? Because I'll go ahead and just uh, begin with my music, and we'll roll. All right, buddy. That is uh, Matt, who is a great engineer and uh, helping us out here with Radio Free Almond. So it's uh, fantastic. Appreciate you, buddy. Who are you guys voting for? And how did you draw your conclusions, ladies and gentlemen? How did you come up with your decision? Because I have to admit, I am still out there floating in space. I have I have no idea yet who I'm actually going to be uh, voting for or who, who I'm going to be. Uh, I, I, I have my iPad out, folks, today, and I'm sorry, but I, I don't know how to operate this damn thing. 
because I, 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 my computer crapped out on me, and my, my laptop, my $6,000 MacBook Pro, has a jack stuck in the hole there. And so it's all but ruined at this point. So I've had to bring in everything off of my iPad. And now every time I try to turn the volume down on something, ground control to major tom. It goes on mute and everything else. So ground bear with me. I had to bring out my iPad. Tom. Thank goodness I got that. They had a deal on when I bought my. Take your protein pills and put your helmet When on. I bought my iPhone Ground 10, they had a deal on iPads, so I got it for like a hundred dollars. Thank goodness I have it because 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 right now my MacBook Pro is useless. Or at least for a while. I'll figure it out. Not easy being me with technology. I'm not complaining, though. Know. This is ground control to Major Tom. You really made the grade. So I'm up there in space, people. I'm floating around. I do not know onto which candidate I will land. Now it's time to I don't know. I'm jealous of all of you who have decided already. <laughs> Stephanie's like, ask a kid to show you how it works. I know how it works. It's just that, you know, when you're in a uh, situation where you're, you know, doing all this kind of stuff and, and, you're, and I'm trying to do about 10 different things at, at, at one time, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy. Ultimately, when we have the uh, new studios and stuff like that, we'll have a little more of a seamless kind of synergy there. But, you know, considering that we basically invented a brand new radio network in about 60 days. It wasn't even that, I think. Let's see, April 9th, 10th. Hell, I was at 30 days. We created a brand new radio network and Radio Free Almond. And we're up and running by the 7th of May. I mean, it was actually it was actually 28 days. It wasn't even exactly a month since I was cast off. And so it's been only, it's been, let's see, May, June, July. Uh, what's today? 7th. So it's the fourth, fourth, four months. Four-month anniversary of... Uh, oh, I'm, what? What is it? What am I doing here, dude? Almost 60 episodes of the of the Allman, Radio Free Almond Show. So we've only got about four months. And yeah, Gail's, Ryan's doing great. He's going to come back in every once in a while. Ryan his, was first tasked with uh, kind of creating the marketing plan for Radio Free Almond and all that kind of stuff. And so... Uh, I loved having him on the air with me, but it was kind of hard on him because he has an, another business. So it's like he'd come in here for four hours or three hours or whatever it is, and then he had a whole day of uh, of another business to tend to. So we've been doing great working together in the background, looking at uh, 
the studio stuff and getting all of our advertising built and all that kind of thing. So we've got um, lots of stuff to do together. But I, I do love I did love them on the air and uh, I like to kind of mix people up too. I like having people in every once in a while. Just you know, I like having G in, like having Phil in, love having Steve in. You know, casing in every once in a while and just uh, kind of. Have a little fun that way. So I like mixing it up a little bit. And ultimately, when we do do Radio Free Allman 2.0, we're going to have uh, we're going to have phone lines and stuff like that, so I can actually hear from you, hear your voices, as opposed to uh, as opposed to read your comments. And Christina's in the same way; she has no idea who to vote for. She's torn. And she did her research and everything else and still doesn't exactly know uh, what what to do at this point. And I, and I don't blame you. I mean, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in the same kind of situation where I, I am torn as well. And I realize I guess I shouldn't be. But I, and as I pointed out the other day, this isn't like – this isn't a situation where – yes, G, I love having you on too. Happy vacation to you, by the way. But, I, but this is a situation where it's like suddenly you are uh, in a situation where you're waiting for uh, – it's, it's not a Hillary-Donald Trump deal anymore. It, it's, it's – that was a pretty easy decision. If you, if you went into November 8th of 2016 going, hmm, I don't know who to vote for, I'd question your sanity. But if you're going in today with a U.S. Senate race – I don't. I don't blame you at all for being kind of uh, semi indecisive about what's going on because it's not easy, people. It's not easy being you. We have a lot of really good people out there, really, really good candidates out there right now. In fact, I think this is the best slate of of candidates we've seen in a in a long, long time. I really, I really like it. Did you see this story about the museum? The museum was selling it's 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 this brand new uh, well it's a, it's like a museum for news. New stuff. And so the museum I I'll never forget going to the the one museum in Chicago. Where they have a uh, where they have a, a broadcasting museum there, and I actually went to the broadcast museum, and it was very interesting. And I saw equipment that I used in TV when I first started, and I'm thinking to myself, "Wait a minute, so so a machine I used." Like in 1989 and 90 is already in a broadcasting museum. Kind of made me feel slightly old. Anyway, the museum. By the way, I have to admit, I'm in the news business. A bit of news business. I have like zero interest in going to the museum. I, I'm, I'm just, I just don't. But it's at uh, in DC, and they were selling. T-shirts that were 
It says you are very fake news on the T-shirt. And apparently the old media establishment wanted 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 nothing of that. They they they, they wanted to go to the museum people and say, "Hey, listen, I want you I want you to take this take this out of here." And you know what the museum did? It removed the t-shirts that said, "You are very fake news." It removed them from the shelves. You can't buy the "You are very fake news." Now, if there's any part, anything that's that's more part of the news media culture these days, it's the fake news thing. It's kind of whether you believe in it or not, it's still a thing. The fake news thing, and if and it's part of the history of of broadcasting i mean it it seems very simple to me that you would include that you are very fake news it's like legendary and yet the museum caved and 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 took it off unbelievable what's a hoe bag by the way anybody know what a hoe bag is You ever been called a hoe bag? Well, guess what? Milani can add this to a list of uh, of insults to her. There's a candidate for Congress. His name is Mark Roberts. He's an independent congressional candidate in Oregon. And there was a tweet out there by uh, somebody, I don't know. And he was replying to somebody who was talking about Melania. I don't know what she was saying, but it was a reply to a tweet. And his tweet was, did you know the first lady works by the hour? Hashtag think dirty. Hashtag hobag. Now, can you imagine in... Any other purview, if somebody had even remotely insinuated one way or another that Michelle Obama is a hoe bag, I still don't actually know what a hoe bag is, but you know, you you know what uh, I I, mean, I know the insinuation at least. Oh, here, man! Thank you, Matt, for the definition of hoe bag. A noun, a term of endearment. Used to describe a person who satisfies any of the descriptions. Uh, wait, wait. H O B A G. Look up. Uh, oh, H O E. Various ones here. Oh. Every version. Okay, yeah. Well, the urban dictionary is a really skanky person who, like, yeah, we, I can think I insinuate, yeah. But but that's what Melania Trump was called by this congressional candidate. And, of course, uh, people are more concerned about LeBron James being called dumb or Don Lemon being called dumb than they are about than they are about Melania Trump being called a hoe bag by a person who just doesn't like her because she happens to be related to a person they don't like. 
And by the way, these folks are now really in a situation where they're going off the rails. Earlier this morning, for a lot of you who haven't even caught on yet to uh, to the to the Facebook feed or the stream, for that matter, did you hear Anderson Cooper? In relation to what President Trump said about LeBron, in relation to what President Trump said about Don Lemon and Maxine Waters, did you hear Anderson Cooper and how he was trying to promote these guys? Whoops. Sorry. He was trying to promote these guys uh, in, in the fashion of, of, hey, isn't President Trump a racist for, for, for calling LeBron James dumb? And he could not get these guys, these two black men, he could not get them in any way, shape, or form to call President Trump racist. That's because most normal people know, who have even paid attention to President Trump, most normal people know that he calls everybody dumb. And you know what? Even black people know that. So they had a... Uh, Cornell West on, and then they had uh, a Trump supporter named Paris on, is a guy who's been around the block. He's on CNN quite a bit, and he was taught. And Anderson Cooper was interviewing them and trying to ask them about whether they thought that President Trump was a racist or demeaning to these individuals because he happened to be calling black people dumb. Now, being black does not shield you from being called dumb. Uh, and and uh, MSNBC describe it as men of color, like as if they're like men of the cloth or whatever it happens to be. It's like, what, what are you talking about? And again, I, when you call people dumb, yeah, is it is it 12-year-old? Yeah. But when they're dumb... I don't think it's so bad to call people dumb. I think it's pretty dumb for Don Lemon to go on CNN and call people like Donald Trump racist. I think that's dumb because he's not. And it's dumb of you to call Donald Trump a racist when you're a television news anchor. I think it's dumb when LeBron James says that President Trump is divisive. Why? Because President Trump has an opinion about taking a knee during the national anthem? Is that really what this is all about? Because LeBron, these, these black athletes seem obsessed with this idea that somehow President Trump being upset or weighing in as the president of the United States, by the way, where kind of the flag and the national anthem is kind of popular in, in the circles of people who happen to be president of the United States. And for the president to criticize these individuals for taking a knee, apparently that is intolerable to the individuals in the black community, some of them, and in the black news media, and then, of course, the liberal white media. And apparently this is completely intolerable. You shall not criticize black people when they act stupidly. Apparently, or when you disagree with them, you shall not criticize black people. And you must always, when you are coddling them, be sure to refer to them as African-Americans or for that matter, even better. You, you really 
hit the jackpot when you call them men of color. So apparently for President Trump to decide that he thinks what LeBron James is stupid, and LeBron James knows who's divisive in this country and who isn't. Has LeBron James ever criticized Maxine Waters for saying that People ought to get out there and harass individuals. We saw that happen with Candace the other day. She's out and about for dinner, and they get screamed at by people. And, and, and so we've seen that happen. So, But has LeBron James ever called Maxine Waters divisive? And again, you can't hide behind the fact that you're black. You're going to be held accountable regardless of what race you are, hopefully, but apparently you're really kind of not in certain elements of the media. And MSNBC really took the cake on this one when they were describing. Uh, uh, but first There's I want to show you. time and place for this. The MSNBC clip. And, and I want to be able to actually show you the MSC, MSNBC clip. But I want to draw your attention to the fact that once again with the MSNBC clip and on Breitbart, which I love, right before MSNBC or any time you hear from liberals – you get a a gun commercial or an ammo commercial. I love it. Whenever there's a there's a soundbite with Nancy Pelosi or Hillary Clinton, or maybe there is some kind of story about an Antifa protest or whatever, it's preceded not by accident by a gun commercial. Which is why I actually don't ever push skip ad. On some of these, because I want to hear the gun. I want to see the gun commercial. And you'll want to hear it and see it. We invited a wide range of hunters and shooters to experience the newest line of Bushnell optics on the range and in the field against the competition. Through testing, they came to the same conclusion we've known all along. No one beats Bushnell. No one beats Bush Ahead of tomorrow's special election. Yeah. But before taking off for Ohio, he sent out a late night tweet insulting not one but two men of color. Not one but two men of color. Apparently, you just, you can't, uh, two black guys, you mean? Or two black men? Or if you really want to be who you are over there, two African-American men? But this men of color thing, I mean, and again, I respect these individuals. I, I, I don't disrespect them, but I'm going to call them out when I think they are wrong. And why MSNBC has to kind of embellish this story by adding this air of, of, of regalness to these individuals mm. is, kind of, is kind of weird to me. And so the men of color thing just kind of, kind of was – that's just, why is that necessary? Ahead of tomorrow's special election. But before taking off for Ohio, he sent out a late night tweet insulting not one but two men of color, including one of the best basketball players of all time. Yeah, and especially if he's the, one of the best basketball players of all time, you shall not in any way, shape, or form ever describe these individuals as being dumb, especially that they are the fact that they are they are uh, the best basketball players or one of them of all time. Now, if you want to get right down to it, to two men of color, so Anderson Cooper decides he's going to interview two men of color, and one of them happens to be Cornell West, who is normally pretty reliably liberal, 
And normally we'll talk a lot about people being racist and that kind of thing. But let's go to Anderson Cooper interviewing two men of color. Let's see what they have to say about whether or not President Trump is a racist for calling, it just so happens to be, a couple of black people dumb. Professor West, I'm wondering what you make uh, of this, which is just the latest example of the president criticizing uh, an Af- a well-known African-American person on-, on intelligence. Well, I think we need to keep the focus where it belongs because it's clear that President Trump doesn't focus on what he ought to. The focus is on, first, Gloria Marie James. Paris, what does it say to you that the president doesn't focus on what Dr. West is talking about and what Melania Trump certainly was, was fo- trying to focus on and instead just goes after him calling him dumb. And same with Don Lemon, as he's called Maxine Waters, low IQ, and others. What we know about this president is that he doesn't attack first, but he always responds. He'll res- That's Paris Denard. He's from uh, NPR. And actually, that's pretty cool coming from NPR that he actually is able to A, stay sane, and also stay sober when it comes to issues like this regarding President Trump. But keep in mind, coming up, you're going to hear Anderson Cooper, who will have Nothing to do with this response. He does not like this response and therefore will have to insinuate somehow that Paris Denard is some kind of shill for President Trump and Denard doesn't like it. Good for him. He'll respond to someone who's black. He'll respond to someone that's a woman. He'll respond to someone that's white. Right. It's fascinating to me, though, Paris. I, look, I get you're a supporter of the president, and, and, and that's your gig, and, and you can't publicly break from him because then you'll get in trouble, I guess. But Anderson, actually, just, you're wrong. I'm I mean, that, man, is that insulting. For Anderson Cooper to insinuate somehow that, uh, that Paris Denard is some kind of house slave for Donald Trump because he happens to defend him with facts, by the way, is kind of a little bit squishy of Anderson Cooper, in my opinion. And to me, you talk about soft bigotry of low expectations. Ladies and gentlemen, you see it in full glory here. I guess. but Anderson, actually, just you're str- wrong. I'm a grown man, and I have my okay. own opinions. I don't work for the All Trump right, administration. I never worked right, for the campaign, and they don't so pay you- me. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it ought to, at that time, be a time where Anderson Cooper should say, yeah, I'm sorry for insinuating somehow that you're a prostitute for President Trump because you happen to be black and defending him. But this happens all the time to black individuals who will defend Donald Trump. And I'm talking about it's not as much by other blacks as it is by white journalists like Anderson Cooper. You don't see, you don't believe that there is any commonality in the criticisms, his go-to criticism. Yeah. No, they don't. And in fact, they, they actually see the fact that he's an equal opportunity Dummy caller. That's that's what the president's now, all about. In the criticisms, his go-to criticisms on African Americans, you don't see any any through line to this. The president has done this to African Americans, to white people, to white men, to white men, to members of. Professor, I mean, do you think there's a commonality in in? Oh, no, he he has called he has called some white sisters uh, <laughs> dumb. I think he called sister, sister Mika on on MSNBC yeah. dumb. So he, I think Brother Paris is right. 
I mean, he when you when you, when you get when you get Cornell West to beg off of calling somebody a racist or to beg off of calling somebody prejudiced or whatever, you've really kind of at that point hit rock bottom. You've really at that point in many ways, you don't have too many other options there when it comes to uh, you trying to move somebody in a certain direction. You've really kind of screwed the pooch there. Cornell West is normally pretty easy to get him inflamed about racial issues and that kind of thing. And yet uh, Anderson Cooper failed miserably there. All right. When we come back from the Discovery Design Studios, Paul Kirkman is on his way after voting. Although I happen to think, folks out there, I don't usually do you know, traffic and weather. Traffic and weather together here at Radio Free Allman, but I can hear it's pouring like hell and in some cases hailing out there. So traffic is uh, not doing great for you, and I understand that. And also, by the way, uh, yeah, Margaret, Mika is dumb. Yeah, I mean, you know, come on. I mean, let's call, call it what it is here. And so hopefully you guys will get out there and vote. And I know Paul is running around town. Uh, he already has been to his polling place. He's running, obviously, for state auditor. But he's going to be in the studio with me, God willing, in just a little bit. And then, of course, at 830, we've got the great Doug Giles. You realize that Doug Giles was the one who a while back, a while back, said fairly explicitly that that someday, if we are not careful – these individuals are going to pull us down off of Facebook, off of YouTube, because, yeah, Paul says it's sunny and beautiful here. Yeah, I don't know. There must be just these big pockets of uh, rain running around somewhere because it was hailing like hell earlier here. Either that or a locomotive was passing by the hill, but I doubt that's the case. So when it when when it comes to platforms like the one that Alex Jones was using Facebook and YouTube they made Alex Jones disappear they made infowars disappear he'll find another platform he'll find another place but oh paul <laughs> oh never mind never mind i'm okay i'm dumb as a bag of hair paula paula's like i'm in florida it's like okay I forgot. I saw pictures of you on Facebook in Florida, Paul. I should have known better. I'm the one who's... See? Call me dumb. And I'm white. Okay? Call me dumb all you want. And that was pretty dumb of me. So, these platforms, you never know when you're going to get yanked off. I've been blessed by the fact that I've been able to have basically a conservative talk radio show on Facebook. And Facebook hasn't the only time I get pulled off of Facebook is when I play music that Facebook doesn't like me playing. And so we've kind of had to, when we take a break, go ahead and take the music kind of down off of Facebook, but we keep it on the stream because then we get pulled off. That becomes a pain in the rear end for everybody. And so it, that, 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 becomes a, uh, that becomes a problem. But otherwise, you got to be careful because once, when, when you are relying on these, these platforms, they ultimately have the power over you. Uh, they ultimately have the power over uh, what you do, how you do it, and, and they can yank you anytime. 
And as Vicky points out, yeah, they're trying to get rid of the Gateway Pundit. Sometimes it's not just them pulling you off of the platform itself, like taking you off. I mean, they were pretty bold and and and, and they were pretty brazen about just yanking him off and just shutting him down, YouTube as well as Facebook. And and, uh, and, and that, to me, it's not censorship because it's not the government, but I'll talk to Doug a little bit about how ultimately, even if you're conservative, you can basically know that even if you're conservative, you can still be behind the government perhaps intervening. Because the government has the right, the federal government, enumerated powers, regulating Congress, antitrust has been a thing that the federal government has been involved in before. We did it during the time of the Industrial Revolution and beyond. And so it's not beyond the realm of comprehension. They step in when it comes to the domination and monopoly that Google and Facebook have. I I tread lightly on the subject a little bit. I'd be a little bit careful, but... You you gotta be be definitely careful about utilizing the government, but it's not beyond the realm of comprehension that the government would get involved. It's been the same way with trade. You know, this idea that Republicans have told you free trade, free trade, unfettered trade. No. Again, the federal government has the right to regulate commerce and also get involved in trade. And so when the government starts to manipulate our trade deals in the formulation of President Trump going out there and wanting a more of an even playing field, uh, he can knock himself out because it's perfectly within the purview of our federal government to go ahead and, and do just that. Jimmy's pointing out, you know, they did it with tobacco. They did it with South. They did it with the phone company. Got to be careful, obviously, but just also more, more importantly, you got to be careful when you're on a platform like Alex Jones was on, because they'll yank it off. And Doug has actually a new uh, budding platform that ultimately Radio Free Almond is going to be on as well. We're going to kind of uh, fuse our talents together uh, once we get everything up and running with uh, Radio Free Almond 2.0 and we start to do more videos and that kind of thing. I'm going to be joining his uh, network. So it's going to be pretty cool. But Doug is protecting himself in that sense with Clash Daily TV. And we'll talk more about that. But ultimately, listen, Alex Jones is going to pop up somewhere else. He'll be able to utilize other platforms, Hulu or whatever, and it'll be really a cool thing. But it's in the offing, but you've got to be very, very careful. Michael Savage truly believes he's going to be next, and he just might be. And But oftentimes, like with the Gateway Pundit, what they do is they manipulate access to your site so you sometimes don't even really know you know it's called it's 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 shadow banning or whatever you want to call it but you don't really even know what they're doing except they're manipulating access like you're not, you're not showing up in search engines or you're here there they're 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 they're, they're cutting off the ability to get the material from you so uh it's a pretty big deal and hopefully uh this is going to be some way for us to fight back with these platforms. Of course, unfortunately, we're kind of trapped because Facebook and YouTube are the most popular ways that people are able to communicate. And it's very hard to get people to do a different – you get a different take, take a different approach to these kinds of things. It's really kind of very difficult. And so you got to make sure – 
though, that you uh, retrain people. It's kind of like with the Radio Free Almond app, as I pointed out earlier. A lot of people don't get it. They're like, I don't understand. I, I just used it to turn on the radio. But this is just like turning on the radio, except you're pushing a Radio Free Almond app. It's just an app, streaming app, and you're getting the radio show on there. Sometimes, you know, um, it can be glitchy, and I, I get all that. Uh, radio can, too. You, sometimes you, you don't get a signal. When I was at 97.1, there were people who were two miles away from me who couldn't get the signal in their house. So it's not like, you know, radio, terrestrial radio is perfect either. So there you go. We'll be back. It's Radio Free Almond live from the Discovery Design Studios. Don't forget to support Mattress King, One Mattress King on Facebook. Appreciate y'all. Don't forget about Santino Cigars and Cocktails, Vogel Road and Arnold. I know they say can't go home again I just had to come back one last time Ma'am, I know you don't know me from Adam But these handprints on the front steps are mine Up those stairs in that little back bedroom where I did my homework and I learned to play guitar Now I bet you didn't know Under that live oak My favorite dog is buried in the yard I thought if I could touch this place I'll feel it This brokenness inside me might start healing Just come in, I swear I'll leave Won't take nothing but a memory From the house that built me Mama cut out pictures of houses for years From better homes and garden magazines Drawn and concrete board, nail by nail and board by board. Daddy gave life to Mama's dream. I thought if I could touch this place, so feel it. This brokenness inside me might start healing. Right, ladies and gentlemen, good morning. I know 
it's crazy out there, isn't it, people? Out there, you're trying you're trying to do your due diligence as a uh, as a good old fashioned American. You're trying to do your due diligence as a uh, good old fashioned Missourian and get out there and vote, and you're being pelted with ice balls and big drops of rain. And you have to imagine if you were a candidate who has worked as hard as you have, like Paul Kurtman has, to become the nominee on the Republican side for state auditor, you owe it to these people to get out there and vote. Paul Kurtman, welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, Jamie. It was a true honor uh, being with you uh, last Friday as you had a thank you party out there in beautiful Washington, Mo. And uh, thanks for having me, man. It was great. I, I really appreciate you coming. I mean, since the beginning of the Tea Party movement, you have been a staple figure of the conservative movement in St. Louis. And so with all those people that have been with me for the last eight, nine years now, they're with you too. So yeah, thank I, you, buddy. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. It was great to see Brian Nieves again too, and yeah. uh, some old friends. And it was it was fantastic. And I know you've worked hard. And one of the when I was speaking, I, I had the uh, privilege of being able to speak at the event. And I talked about Paul and first meeting him. And 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 as I remember it, it was it was at an event like a uh, a outdoor uh, tea party event, beautiful Washington Park. There, remember the remember the train tracks, the train, and and I met. Paul, uh, the first time I met him, he handed me a pocket constitution. Is that is that your recollection? I think that was the first time I yep. met you. Handed me a pocket constitution. Here's this uh, former Marine, this great kid, this great guy. You know, still still a kid. Paul is, uh, even though you're, uh, and and uh, handed me and I said, this guy's got something going on here in terms of his energy and his commitment, and so it was impressive from day one when I first met you out there in Washington. So congratulations on so far what has been a great career. Uh, and a uh, consistent commitment to the Constitution and to conservative principles, and you've done it uh, without (laughs) getting dirty down there in in Jefferson City, which is hard to do. You've come out clean. Eight years in uh, in Jefferson City, and I got to do some good work. It's been the honor of a lifetime to be able to represent people in the state capitol. I mean – this American experiment is such a sacred duty that we have in terms of elections, but also in terms of representation. So to be a little part of that has just been, yeah, been an amazing experience for me. Well, the other things I said too is that I don't think I've ever interviewed Paul Kurtman on the phone. And for those of us in the broadcasting business and the radio business, that is a huge deal uh, because. Uh, it shows you the kind of energy and commitment that a guy like Paul Kurtman has. He always he always wanted to come in studio, always wanted to talk, always wanted to be there, and it uh, creates a different dynamic. It's better. People can hear you better, but it's a great example of the kind of uh, energy that Paul Kurtman has. The state auditor's race is an important one, and one of – in the past, perhaps people haven't thought much about the state auditor's position. Uh, it's kind of like when they think about the Secretary of State's position. Uh, but I could make an argument that that's a hugely important position too. But the state auditor, especially as we get into these crazy times of uh, clean Missouri and these efforts to redistrict and it's now in the hands perhaps possibly of the auditor's office with this demographer. Uh, and also in terms of uh, we're trying to get a rein on government spending and trying to uh, make government as efficient as possible and even as we try to reduce it, an auditor is a hugely important job. 
It is. It is certainly far more important than I probably ever would have thought about back before I went to work in Jefferson City. Um, first, people ask me, they say, well, what does a state auditor do? And so kind of like in the most basic terms, they, the state auditor just kind of rings down that cash drawer, you know, at the end of the day, just like you would see at any restaurant or a convenience store. But it's so much deeper than that because for every dollar that the government wastes, it's a dollar that whoever earned it in the first place out in the job force, it's a dollar that they can't spend in their local economy, take care of their needs and their wants. So there's a direct correlation to government growth, government waste, and the economic freedom that people have just to be able to spend their own money in the marketplace. And our civil liberty is directly tied to our economic liberty. You cannot have one without the other. And so I can argue that there's, we've lost more of our personal liberty and personal freedom through our pocketbook than through a rogue legislator trying to you know, ban everybody's guns right. you know right. so i mean our state budget has grown by 18 percent without a tax increase especially over the last couple of years because of trump trump's done amazing things for our economy but this is all the more reason why it's so important to make sure that we have a good state auditor yeah and i, I think it's important too to have an auditor who has had some experience in the political structure uh because you can see red flags easier than than um, perhaps other people can uh, because you have seen how lawmakers sometimes work. You have seen budgets come before you. You have uh, seen your share of waste before. Mm -hmm. And you've also kind of lived a real life, not only as a Marine, but as a father, as a taxpayer, a husband, and beyond. And so it, I, I like the idea of, of, of a level of practical, worldly knowledge that comes to an honors job because you're seeing things just not from a mm -hmm. numbers perspective, but from a more holistic perspective. That's right. I, so when I first got elected, I got to sit on the Appropriations Committee for Health and Mental Health and Social Services. And so being on the end of government that actually listens to government employees and bureaucrats talk about why they need more taxpayer money. I've got to, I've got to do that for several years, four years altogether, just doing that. But then with the committees that I chaired, I also got to sit on the other end of that and say, hey, now that you've spent all this money, let's talk about how you spent it. Let's go over your performance. Let's go over your financial record. Let's go over what your plans are to do next year. And um, I think that, that that really offers a type of experience that the state auditor, um, if you, they don't already have it, they're going to have to spend a lot of time getting it because there's a lot of politics just inside the bureaucracy. And so for eight years now, I've had an opportunity to already begin to no negotiate that terrain. Yeah, and, and explain to the people out there, Paul, too, why – it makes a difference whether there's a Republican or a Democrat in the state auditor's office. Mm -hmm. Well, it, ultimately, it shouldn't make a difference. Right. Because this is, this is supposed to be the last bastion of honesty. When the rest of state government, local government, begins to fall apart around uh, our people because there's a lack of trust or confidence, they ought to be able to rely on the state auditor to come in and say whether or not uh, the books are balanced, whether or not the, our leaders are being honest. Uh, but if clean Missouri passes, um, well, this is when hyperpartisanship really enters the auditor's race. So you have a, you have a, uh, a position that really, really shouldn't matter because truth has no agenda, right? It doesn't, shouldn't matter whether or not you're Republican or Democrat just to go in and, and measure the books. Um, but it, it certainly will matter uh, probably more than any other race if clean Missouri passes because clean Missouri says that the state auditor is in charge of drawing the redistricting lines. And uh, that means for all these people who've been trying to win House and Senate races across Missouri, it's, they can't do it. Missouri is continually going red. And so it would be far more efficient for them to take all that campaign money that they've been spending across 20 or 30 different state house districts. Just take all that money and put it in the auditor's race. Get your person elected and make sure you get somebody elected who's going to draw lines that are good for your party. 
as soon as we do that, then the accountability that we want from the auditor on all the rest of government, it just immediately crumbles and falls apart. Yeah. Uh, Paul Kurtman running for state auditor. Get out there and make sure uh, you vote and uh, make sure that uh, you know that Paul is out there and has been around the block when it comes to fighting for constitutional principles and uh, and practical approaches to government. Common sense is what it's all about. I will tell you that in, in drawing politics into this, and, and I think you're so right about how politics really shouldn't matter, but clean Missouri is a hugely ominous deal. And all you have to do, and we've been through this before with folks, and we won't belabor uh, the repeat of what it's all about, but if you just kind of look at Cook County, Illinois, and see how the Madigan Mafia was created, uh, you will, you'll see that. And, and federal, at the federal office level, it could make some huge changes, too. And in all due respect to the current state auditor, because I don't know what is in her heart, and I'm not trying to impugn her character here, but let's put it this way. She's the only Democrat statewide office holder. Uh, she is highly ambitious. She is, I think, susceptible to someone, let's just pretend like a Claire McCaskill or somebody who's been a state auditor herself before, to wanting to kind of climb that ladder. And again, I don't, I, I'm not going to predict what she's doing or I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, but, but in all my fear is that someone like that would do whatever the democratic party tells her to do, whatever the big guys tell her to do, whatever the people promising her future tell her to do. And so that time at that point, when you're overseeing redistricting, you could be in for a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's right. And um, I, I think I think you're right on her. And I say that because in 2017, in November 2017, uh, the Missouri Times had released an article back then about an audit that Tom Schweik did over the Department of Economic Development. And one thing that Tom Schweik did is he came down really hard on a company called Remy. Remy is a company from Amherst, Massachusetts. They're a very left-leaning company, but they create economic policy for other states, municipal governments uh, to institute. So we have a contract with them. We spent about $2 million a year with, the, with Remy. Tom Schweik came down very hard on them and said we should not be spending money on, a, on an organization that puts out left-leaning economic policy for the state legislators to pass. Well, she basically took that whole audit, um, repackaged it, put her name on it, and uh, redacted any reference to Remy. So when you're withholding information that the public might like to know about because it pushes political economic agendas and you withhold that from an audit, that sp tells me um, that you're probably not the person for the job. And if Clean Missouri gets in, she's the wrong auditor to have in if Clean Missouri is there. Well, what you just saw there is a pretty good example of why you need a nominee who also is a fighter and already has strategized in terms of being able to expose the downsides of having one particular person in the state auditor's office. So it seems to me, uh, as is typical of the Paul Kurtman approach, you're ready uh, to rock and roll. So good for you. I've been saying for months, every time I got, went to a campaign stop, I'd always say, man, I wish the election was tomorrow because I'm so ready to get to work. Well, election, light, primary day's here, and then, uh, and then November's on its way. And so I'm looking forward to getting to do the work. Yeah, just on a, on a personal level, when you do go around the state uh, and uh, Mary Canfield, who is this fellow? It's Paul Kurtman. He's right there on your, on your ballot when you go there, Mary. So uh, when you go around the state, do you think, do you think the importance of this office and, and uh, the future uh, office holder is, resonates with people? Do you think that they get it? Does. It does. 
Okay. It, it, it casts a very wide net. So I send out uh, emails, and sometimes I'll put in the subject line, it, uh, and I can see the response rate of you know how many of my emails get opened. And usually, whenever the subject line is, guess what Missouri just spent $5 million on? A lot of people open that across both parties because financial responsibility, whether or not somebody's on the left or the right, most people would call themselves a fiscal conservative. They don't want, they don't want waste. They don't want taxpayers in the Department of Agriculture spending $150 on membership dues to join the North American Goat Growers Association, which <laughs> yeah. has happened. You know, they don't want that kind of thing to happen, whether they're on the left or the right. But the thing is, is you can't just say this is, about, this is an office about spreadsheets. People don't care about that. Right. People want to know how that money's being spent. People want to know what the story is in these departments and agencies. So I'm on 70 yesterday, and I, I have a real – and I, I don't want to be unfair to the Department of Transportation or you know, to, to automatically assume that they're, they waste money or whatever. But every time I turn around, I'm, I'm asked for more money for transportation issues, maybe even increasing the gas tax or whatever it happens to be. And so I'm on 70. I see this uh, home of the future new ramp. I'm thinking, oh, here we go, because that's kind of one of the things, and you probably know this from your time down there at, at the State House, is that one of the things, that, that it's not that the, the Department of Transportation is corrupt per se, but there are a lot of things that they do in terms of priorities and it's a matter of priorities mm-hmm. that they do that are unnecessary, that, that, that they're skipping basic upkeep and just putting in new ramps because Representative so-and-so want it to be the case. Uh, I mean that's, that's the kind of thing a lot of us really want to make sure the auditor covers on a number right. of levels because the DOT is a huge thing. And I, don't think, I think for the most part, I'm sure they do a good job, good people working there and everything else. But that's the kind of thing we kind of look out for. It, the Missouri Constitution says that the state is supposed to spend money on three things really before anything else. We're supposed to spend money to pay down our debt. We're supposed to spend money on public education and also for roads and transportation. And so when the state uh, Department of Transportation came to the Missouri legislature and said, hey, put this new sales tax on the ballot because we need more money. There is a case that the Department of Transportation needs more money. Last time ga- uh, gasoline tax was, went up was in the early 90s. Since then, just due to inflation, they've lost about 27% of the purchasing power of the money that they're collecting today as opposed to back then. However, if they need more money and they want to increase taxes – I think that it is incumbent on us to make sure that they're being the best towards the money that they're already getting. I went over 10 years' worth of audits in my committee with the Department of Transportation. Ten years' worth – hearing lasted several hours. And uh, one of the most astounding things, because when DOT wastes a dollar, they really waste like three or four or five dollars. Because for every dollar they waste, that's a dollar we can't use to draw down federal matching funds to bring down our own money. So when they spent – when they gave one of their employees $30,000 to make them feel better about the loss – on their second home that they sold when they moved from Macon, had that $30,000 not of taxpayer money not been given to an employee but rather been spent on a qualifying road or bridge project, it would have turned into $120,000, for example. Wow. So that waste can be extremely exponential yeah. when it comes from Department of Transportation. That's what we really got to be on the lookout there for. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. There's nobody, in my opinion, better – uh, to be on the lookout for you, the taxpayer, than Paul Kurtman. So check him out there on the ballot this morning. Get out there, rain or shine. Paul Kurtman, it's been an honor knowing you for these many years. And I appreciate, we do all appreciate the, the work you've done. It, it, you know, Paul is kind of an understated guy in terms of, his, of 
being public, but behind the scenes, he is as as active and passionate as any uh, representative or politician I've seen in in a long, long time. So, congrats, buddy, and uh, good luck to you today. Thank you very and much. And you already voted, right? Uh, you actually, were actually you... we we came we came straight <laughs> oh, here. Did? So okay. I'm going to go home. Uh, my wife and. Ruth and the children and I were all going to go to the polling place together. Nice. We're going to vote. They were still sleeping. We had a long night working on those signs and those polling locations. So yeah. that's what, as soon as I get home, we are headed straight to the polls. Saw those babies and Ruth uh, on Friday. It was very cute. We had, Paul had like a, had a video playing you know, like one of these, uh, you know, just kind of like a uh, retrospective. And uh, was, yeah, I think it was your little boy. Danny! <laughs> he saw you <laughs> in the video. It was, yeah. it was very cute and precious. All right. Uh, good luck to you, buddy. Thank nice you, seeing Jamie. you. This is Paul Thank Kirkman. You. See you, man. Take care. Maybe talk to you tomorrow, huh? Hopefully. All right. All right. All right. Coming up, I'm going to get a hold of uh, my buddy Doug Giles, who has a few things to tell you about regarding um, the future of not only his show, but other conservative shows out there, as we see with Alex Jones, basically just erased. Get him on just a second here. Picking the base and singing blues. Good luck. Misery loves company. This old dog sings harmony. You can hear him moan, you can hear him wail. Yeah. Hey! Uh, Doug. Hey, man, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Good, man. We on the air? Yeah, you know what your little intro music was? Tell me. Uh, Waylon Jennings is Clyde, man. Hey, I'll take it, man. Waylon uh, grew up in Littlefield, Texas, which is, I think, uh, 10, 11 miles away from uh, Lubbock. So yeah. He's a good old uh, South Plains, West <laughs> Texas boy. No doubt about it, man. I can't get enough of the old Waylon vibe. I have you on a phone. I didn't call you on Skype because I, I, I had a problem with my computer, and it's just really kind of a, a white people problem. I just had a jack break off into the hole in the thing and i can't use the damn thing anymore so just it's a long story okay so i just want to let you know by the way uh doug sent me a picture yesterday i'll put it on uh, the facebook uh page uh i'll put in i, I, I can't put it in the comment section i don't think can i can i put pictures in the comment section oh okay after i'm off yeah okay i can't do it live but uh doug giles sent me a picture yesterday of him in the radio free almond t-shirt smoking a big old cigar and I couldn't have been more proud to see Doug Giles, ClashDaily.com, wearing the Radio Free Almond T-shirt. Buddy, I, when I texted you uh, last night, uh, it was about the Alex Jones thing. And I said, man, you predicted this was going to happen. I'll never forget a while back uh, because right now we're working on some situations where you are pivoting with Clash Daily TV over to a platform called Roku. ROKU, and most people are probably, some of you are probably familiar with that. But uh, you said a while back 
don't trust Facebook. I'll never forget you telling me that when I first put Radio Free Almond on it. And you said, watch out for these platforms because they ultimately will have power over you and take you down if they want to. And lo and behold, they just erased Alex Jones off the Internet, basically. Yeah, iTunes uh, uh, took his podcast off. Uh, just like you said, Facebook deplatformed him. He had uh, four pages on Facebook and uh, big pages. And I guarantee he gave Facebook this thing called Big Dollars. But uh, nonetheless, you know, they're the arbiter of all that which is uh, uh, holy, just, and good in, in the United States of, sec- uh, of sassy secularism. So they... They just decided Alex just doesn't fit, and we don't like his opinion. So all that money gone, all that traffic gone. And again, after he paid them uh, to build it up and to ex- uh, expand his reach, also Spotify took off his um, podcast. And listen, I'm not I'm not a big Alex Jones fan. Um, you know, I don't I don't Jones for Alex Jones. But uh, you know what I do Jones over is this thing called free speech and freedom of expression. And so what Facebook did, as far as I'm concerned, if they said, hey, you give us X amount of dollars and we're going to take it and expand uh, your reach and they don't do it, which we've talked about in detail, how after the inauguration, uh, they began to uh, set the thumbscrews, the conservative publishers and, and dramatically stymie uh, their reach. Again, Clash is doing 20 to 60 million people reached uh, a a week on our Facebook page to now it's a paltry, you know, half a million, you know, maybe a million a week. And a lot of people say, well, man, that's still a lot of people. It's not what it used to be and not what it, not what it was and not what its potential. We would be, we would be screaming through the stratosphere right now uh, with Trump's victory and with everybody loving what Clash was doing had it not been for Air Zuckerberg you know, to uh, put the jackboots on and say, no moss, senorita. And, Jamie, here's here's the thing um, is that, yeah, you might not be Alex Jones. I might not be Alex Jones. I don't spin wild conspiracy theories. But we're naive if we think that they don't think that we're in the same league as uh, InfoWars. Oh, yeah, no. I, and, 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 you know, Doug, here's the thing. I, I, I'm sure that they didn't pull Alex Jones off because of his nutty and misguided uh, views on 9-11. Uh, they pulled him off because uh, of late he's been supporting President Trump. I mean, that's been the common thing. Now, again, I'm with you. I, I sometimes have very little use for some of the some of this stuff that's that's going on out there with him, but nonetheless, it doesn't matter. I I, I wouldn't want this to happen to a left winger uh, under a uh, you, you, under the guise of uh, you know protecting me from their speech. And so, um, right. I think I think we can be consistent here and just support freedom overall. Yep. No, I mean look at um uh, look at. Look at Facebook. Facebook's like, um, you know, Alex Jones is bad, so we're, we're, you know, he's got hate speech, so we're going to just pull him off our platform. And uh, meanwhile, Antifa and Louis Farrakhan, well, they're A-OK. You're talking about somebody's freaking nuttier than a squirrel turd who makes Alex Jones, you know, look like a well-combobulated disciple of Charles Krauthammer <laughs> and a principal uh, member of Mensa. Go over there and read Louis Farrakhan's 
<laughs> blather over on his Facebook page. And then look at Antifa, man. They've been uh, they've been characterized, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? They've been officially tagged by our Justice Department as a terror group, and yet they can have their Facebook pages, and Alex Jones can't. And I think you're spot on, man. You know, they're like, oh, okay, you're nut, you're nut, you're nut. <laughs> Alex, you can say all this crazy stuff, but if you get into Trump's corner, yeah. then you're done. And I don't know if you saw, uh, speaking of Donald Trump this morning, it's going to be on ClashDaily.com, Jamie, here in a, a, a few. Uh, West Hollywood City Council has unanimously voted to remove Trump's star from the Hollywood Walk of Fame because of uh, his abuse of women. Unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> Meanwhile, Kevin Spacey's star sitting there pretty. And uh, no talks about it being removed, and uh, and he raped young men, mm-hmm. or he's been accused of that, and he's disappeared because of that, and he's been uh, deplatformed over at Netflix with House of Cards as a, as one of the principals in that uh, epic series. And uh, I guarantee, brother, there's there's a couple of other people there on that Hollywood Walk of Fame men uh, that have pedophilia in their background, uh, women abuse. Uh, uh, whether it's verbal or physical, <laughs> it's, it's so crazy, man. They are so deranged uh, with this Trump illness that uh, they can't see the hypocrisy and the quadruple standards involved in their uh, machinations. Yeah, and, and and that you know, and, and here's the thing that that's so interesting how, uh, and, and I I don't want to obsess too much over Alex Jones and his content, but I will I will tell you just to just to kind of. Uh, reiterate what you just said like when alex jones was uh ripping on george bush right uh and, and talking about these uh things regarding 9-11 and the ins the, you know all that all that truly just baloney stuff uh th- they were more than happy to entertain him and have him on there and and when he was kind of useful to them in that regard and then of course now he's having a little too much impact when it comes to uh what he's talking about and so i i'm with you on this buddy so much and by the way uh, on to other topics here i noticed that carl rove somehow is uh getting an inordinate amount of tension because apparently he's now telling president trump to calm down the rhetoric i think the last time we listened to carl rove he was telling us that president trump had no path to victory so why are we listening to rove now uh, well, uh, just like you said about Alex, uh, when he was bashing Bush is, you know, he's become one of the useful stooges of, uh, of the neocons and the never Trumpers and the ludicrous left. He's, he's, he's their lightning rod of, of reason and civility. And, uh, like you said, he's a, what a, a perennial loser in everything that he, he tries yeah. to prop up George Bush's, uh, uh, two terms as some kind of shiny penny to why we should listen to you is um, is like you know trying to uh, wave Jerry Hollowell's last CD and say isn't this great? Yeah, I mean it, it's uh, it's it's unbelievable. But but apparently he's now he's now apparently the 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 person who of record who we ought to be we ought to be listening to. I I saw also speaking of President Trump, I've been kind of beating this thing like a uh, like a dead horse and riding like a rented mule, whatever analogy you want to use. This idea that President Trump is a racist because he happens to call a couple of black dudes dumb. 
And and I I saw the Anderson Cooper bit where even even if you can't get Cornell West to call President Trump a racist, you're President Trump isn't a racist at that point. I mean, if you can't get Cornell West to come out and say that, uh, you know, it, it, I, th- I think these guys are barking up the wrong tree. I mean, I think that President Trump is legitimately calling these guys out. I think LeBron James did make a dumb comment about President Trump being divisive. I think Don Lemon is dumb for calling President Trump a racist. And I think Maxine Waters is an idiot for encouraging violence against other Americans. Yeah, and you can throw uh, you can throw uh, Sheila Jackson Lee into that group also. If you listen to to her and <laughs> as she begins to articulate, you know her finer points of policy, um, she sounds like she's got three teeth and an IQ of fifty. I mean, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. And if I lived in whatever uh, part of Houston that she represents, I'd I'd be pissed that year after year that we have somebody that dense that is representing me and my family's concerns. And uh, it's not racism, but again, you know, since uh, postmodernism has made the white conservative male uh, the punching bag for all problems, period, in the United States of America in particular, and then you get some guy with the bravado of Trump uh, who, who takes it to them and does it with uh, gleeful regularity, then yeah, man, he's um he's going to be called every name in the book, and their go-to word is either liar or racist, and uh, they've used it so much that it just doesn't even mean anything anymore. And I, I, you know, I'm not going to let anybody, Jamie, and neither should you, or neither should your audience. If somebody of any color, any stripe, any political persuasion, any kind of sexual plumbing uh, does or says something dumb, well, they're dumb. And it has crap all to do with whether you hate their race or you're bigoted. Come on, people. Once you grow up, put your little big boy pants on. And uh, you can throw out these verbal stings without hating somebody's melanin content. How is it possible also that Peter Fonda is bad? Oh, Jamie, and- Jamie, before you say that. LeBron James is dumb. Listen <laughs> to the guy talk. I know. I did a, I did a, uh, I did a video where I just read what he said back during the taking the knee stuff uh, last fall, and you laugh out loud, brother, because it's it's the most ridiculous gob- uh, gobbledygook English blah, 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 you've ever heard in your life, and we had nearly nine hundred thousand views on that video along with just me reading what LeBron said. So, yeah, Trump's astute. And by the way, if you have any uh, listeners in Akron, uh, where the LeBron James <laughs> school of, of uh, whatever, whatever that Zoolander school is called, um, it's, co- it's not LeBron James's school. It's your school, and it's costing you $8 million a year, but his name's all over it. I wouldn't pay for that, brother. Not me. Yeah, and you know, I mean, and 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 frankly, you know, I'm not one of those guys who thinks that if you're an athlete or a singer, that you ought to be quiet. But I am one of those people who will say that if you are not going to be quiet, uh, we're going to get in your face if we don't agree with you. I mean, that's just the American way. That's the way it goes, and that's what we're going to do. And so, yeah, I mean, my my opinion is that. Uh, you know, have your opinion, LeBron, but if I think it's dumb, I'm going to call it out, and it has nothing to do with race, and you can talk all you want and use your platform all you want, but uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on you about it. And so, but that's what, 
but but that's what those uh, you know the pussies do. If you call out anybody who's again, if you're a white guy and if you're conservative and if you're a Christian uh, and you call out anybody who differs uh, from your pigmentation and your of your skin, then you're a racist. You know, and it's it's just it's so second grade. <laughs> yeah, it's so childish, and uh, it's it's part of the left, man. And uh, I think that's why thinking people, reasonable people, are taking their little uh, family magic bus and they're turning that bad boy a little to the right because they understand, you know, turning to the left is dangerous curves ahead. Hey, and plus, you know, again, if you're Peter Fonda, knock yourself out and say all the stupid things you want to. But now I think Peter has uh, kind of swam out too far into the middle of the lake and I don't know whether he's going to be able to get back on this one. What's this deal where he's encouraging voter fraud? Yeah. Um, and you know, you think Jane was the nutty one, <laughs> Hanoi Jane, who's so annoying. Uh, and she has been for what the last uh, 60, 70 years yeah. that she would, uh, she would be the last of the Mohicans to say stupid stuff for the Fonda tribe. But it looks like Peter's, uh, <laughs> Peter's giving her a run for the money. I remember Peter, uh, Peter Fonda, he said that he wanted um, the president's son, Barron, uh, put in a cage in, I believe, you know, with a pedophile or something. Uh, anyway, that wasn't nice. But um, uh, <laughs> he tweeted out that in regards to the to, in regards to the election, that we have to take people by the hand, lead them to the water, and teach them to drink. If you have a millennial in your family... Take their early ballots, (laughs) fill them out, and mail them in, or take the ballot to the voting place and give it to the officials. No more worrying. And, of course, when he tweeted that out, uh, he started getting replies, uh, Jack Prasobiec or something like that. He uh, tweets back to uh, Mr. Fonda, felony. (laughs) Then everybody else starts dogpiling. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, that's against... uh, the law, it's, uh, it's encouraging voter fraud, and uh, Peter, being the bold Fonda that he is, uh, uh, deleted his tweet. And I think we ought to rena- uh, rename him to Peter Fondue instead of Fonda because his brains are liquid mush, man. <laughs> I think he just smoked his last cell. I know. And you know the, the thing, too, about some of these, these people, I, and it's the same way with De Niro that drives me nuts, is, you know, I, 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 I like... Their movies, I, I, I like what they've done. I mean, it's like I, I, I and it's it's so disappointing. It's so just kind of I don't know. It drives me crazy. I I kind of I kind of hate that they uh, have turned themselves into what they've turned themselves into. It drives me nuts. Well, you know, well. I'm a big Bobby De Niro fan, man, uh, or used to be, and. I'm telling you, after he did what he did at the various award ceremonies and on The View and all that other crap, uh, I just, you know, for principal reasons, I'm not going to watch him anymore. No. And some of his, uh, some of my greatest comedies and and dramatic uh, films from from days gone by star Mr. De Niro. But you know what? He can kiss my Mr. De Butt. I'm not going to watch his crap anymore. And it's just, it's just not funny, you know. And yeah. like Laura Ingram said about uh, those who have talent, if that's what you trade upon, then just shut up and sing. Or <laughs> yeah. don't think it don't think it weird uh, if you get, like you said, uh, Jamie, some massive backlash for your opinions. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing too. Is it is it you know like normally like I can listen to. 
I can still listen to a little Springsteen here and there or U2 or whatever. I know that they're, you know, but, but when you're at the level that you are with De Niro where you're just, you're just an a-hole, uh, I, I can conceivably just say I'm not watching Taxi Driver. I'm not watching Raging Bull. You could take the Godfather stuff and shove that too, uh, uh, sadly enough. And so, you know, uh, that's, where, that's where I get – that's where I'm on it, man. So – yeah, yeah. stop at Godfather One, man. Don't I know. Two. I know. I was about to. I was about to say. <laughs> All right, I man. Think, I think number. I think number one's the best, anyway. So. Oh, it is. I, I. I. I totally agree, and and still, uh, still an amazing uh, movie. I, every once in a while, when I'm thumbing through, usually looking for baseball highlights or something, there's the Godfather, and I'm I'm in for another couple hours. So there you go. All right, brother. Well, as always. Uh, great talking to you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, lots of things going on my, uh, le- post-election-wise. And uh, also, I want to let you guys know that uh, Doug and I and some of his great uh, team members there, apparently Dell was out at your ranch the other day. Uh, you guys talking about the uh, ongoing Clash Daily TV project. And so... Um, I'm in, man. Just trying to make it work. We're we're soft launching it and um, not really putting a lot of muscle behind it right now. And uh, our our Roku channel, this is about any publicity, Jamie, uh, versus our YouTube channel on the videos that we put on our our platform that we own that Facebook can't do squat about or or, uh, Twitter or any of these other quote-unquote social media platforms. We've seen an eight to ten times increase in viewership. So, and that's without even really pushing it hard at all. So we're just dumping programs after programs for bench watching purposes, and uh, we're we're getting close to unleashing the beast. We're bringing on the extreme hunters uh, competition. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Reaper Outdoors with these. Uh, I mean, just phenomenal filming and storytelling of hunting and and uh, girls getting into hunting, and then a lot of political stuff. Hopefully, your stuff. Uh, we'll come on board, and then um, yeah, then we'll kick this thing properly in the stratosphere, and everybody else can, you know, uh, just uh, leave us alone. Yeah, right, right on, man. <laughs> we own it, man. We own it. We paid for it. Yeah, I mean, you said this is this is the deal. This is the future, and I'm really uh, happy and glad, honored to be part of it. So we'll we'll of course uh, talk a little bit more about that as it as it becomes uh, more. Of a reality. So uh, thank you, brother. And as always, uh, Doug Giles, you're fantastic. ClashDaily.com. And we'll see you, man. Thanks, buddy. Stay right, uh, Great, Doug Giles. Yeah, this this platform is interesting because uh, what, what, what it is is it's a uh, Roku, and and a lot of you already know what, what I'm talking about there. It's Roku, and it's uh, a different platform. Uh, Matt's kind of shaking his like he knows we just these guys know what this is all about. But anyway, the bottom line is it's it's not uh, it's untouchable by Facebook and Google, whatever these these idiots, these chino pants wearing left wingers think about in their boardrooms. Uh, it's not they can't touch the damn thing. And that's what uh, what what Doug is talking about here. So I'm working with him on infusing Radio Free Alma to that platform. Uh, ultimately, I mean, we'll stay what we're, with what we're doing right now, but the idea is to have Radio Free Almond uh, all over the joint. So you could be with the streaming, you could be on Facebook, 
uh, and then we'll be on Roku in a, in a video uh, platform with uh, Clash Daily TV and Radio Fiamman TV. So that's all in the offing. So there's a lot. I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be busy. I just got to get 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 my act together and, and get that stuff going. Somebody mentioned uh, Al Pacino. Let's see who was that. I mean, I want to give you credit for that because it was great, Linda. No, um, uh, uh, Lorene, yeah. Uh, Lorene mentioned Al Pacino, and she said, you ever notice that Al Pacino really hasn't come out uh, one way or the other politically or done any of that kind of stuff? And I, I seem to remember, no, yeah, you're right. And then uh, Linda came up with the Dog Day Afternoon reference, and, man, that was a great movie. Al Pacino's outstanding. Love the guy. Love, love his movies. Uh, you know what? I, I actually I don't know what Dustin Hoffman's been up to. I, I think what, did did he get kind of pulled into this whole Me Too movement stuff for a while there? I think he did. But uh, man, I love Al. I love Dustin Hoffman too. Those guys are all. Those guys are all. Yeah, more Eastwood and Gary Sinise too. Gia, you're absolutely right, dear. Yeah, I um. Those like when I was a kid, and I'm going to get Austin Peterson on here. We're going to go a little bit longer. Uh, you guys, have, you guys don't have anybody coming in right away, do you? Okay, I'm going to have about five minutes longer. With I want to get Austin on the on the air with me here. Uh, one of the things, and it's, is it still raining like hell out there? I can hear it. But uh, the when I was a kid, you know, my dad and I, I saw every movie post 1968 through about 77. Every movie ever made, really, we were sitting in a, in a theater, and um, and so people like Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford and Clint Eastwood and Al Pacino and all those guys, uh, they were like my uncles, basically. I knew, Maximilian Schell, all these guys, Hardy Krueger, the war movies. I knew all these guys and uh, loved those movies and loved like Little Big Man and I. I need to double back and have a, like a old style film festival. Let me get uh, Austin here real quickly here. Man, I've been flying by the seat of my pants today with all the technological stuff going on. Hope you guys are still happy. Been trying hard. It's just been, I've had all these you know things going on. Austin Peterson here. Good morning this morning, Austin Peterson. How's it going, man? I'm doing great, Jamie. Are you ready to make America free again? Yeah, where are you, in Kansas City? I'm in Kansas City right now. Uh, Just finished up a bunch of interviews. I'm getting ready to go pick up the bus, the Liberty Express, pick up my dad out of the farm, and we're going to go out there together, me and my pops, and we're going to vote for freedom. Nice. You know, I had uh, Judge Napolitano on this morning with me. Oh, yeah? What did he say? He had good things to say about you, that's for sure. Oh, well, thanks so much, Jamie. That's very kind of you. I mean, you you know how much I love the judge and, you know, was his right-hand man. And, you know, I, I really am looking forward to being a senator because, you know, it's people like Judge Napolitano and others that I will be bringing to our state next year to go on a lecture tour to teach people about the Constitution and American history. So I really hope that I earned your vote ultimately in the end, Jamie, because I think we're going to make America a better place. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are, it's raining like hell here in St. Louis. I hope it doesn't damper the turnout. But, but you know, here's the deal. With people, with our people, uh, they, they, rain doesn't keep our people away from polls, okay? I mean, it, it just doesn't, it just, it doesn't work that way. So hopefully we'll have a uh, big turnout. 
Uh, we'll have a lot of people out there, and uh, you know, certainly best of luck to you, man. I mean, I, I, this has been a a long, long road, dude. I know. Well, I want to tell you, Jamie, no matter what, that I'm so grateful for the opportunities that you have afforded me over the last year when the mainstream media and the newspapers here in Missouri have missed the true story that's going on here, the real grassroots campaign, the activists, the single moms, the, you know, the, the, the minorities, and all of the different people who have built up this broad co- coalition who wanted to have their voices heard while the Republican Party was doing everything they could to stamp us out Jamie, you were one of the few good men, and your name will be your name will be carved in the halls of Pantheon when we take our victory over the <laughs> Capitol this fall. Well, I appreciate that, man. But I will I, I will tell you that 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 yeah, from the very beginning, and and I, you know, I think I think you do too, and I think a lot of our people do too. We we appreciate passion, uh, we appreciate enthusiasm. Um, I said from the very beginning that you, uh, right out of the blocks, had one of the best, uh, well-put-together, assertive, passionate campaigns I'd seen in a long time, utilizing social media, uh, getting your hands dirty, getting out there. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just have been very impressed all along. And so I have to tell you, no, you no matter what happens, ultimately, still your your primary campaign is uh, is a great textbook example of uh, of of showing people uh, that you that you that you really want the job, and and also recognizing that you really want to earn it. So it's been it's been a cool I thing to watch. That. Well, you know, Jamie, my campaign from the very beginning, we always set out to win, but we always had a secondary goal. And that secondary goal was to educate people about the Constitution, about the importance of the Founding Fathers, about the philosophy of liberty and freedom and free market economics and limited government. And I've already had so many people, Jamie, that have come up to me and said, Austin, you changed my life. Austin, I used to be a a big government Republican. I used to believe in, you know, in government solutions to these problems. And you've you've made me see the error in my ways. You've, You've really made me think about things like I had never had before. And so you know what? I'll sleep easy tonight, no matter what the outcome is, because in that sense, it's mission accomplished, Jamie. And I'm very proud of what the activists behind me have been able to accomplish. Because you know, yeah, I worked very hard. I, I made over forty thousand personal phone calls. I sometimes I'd have a conversation with supporters for a half an hour, or people for a half an hour to earn their vote. You know, and sometimes even people who couldn't vote for me just because they wanted to learn more about these ideas. But frankly, Jamie, I would be nothing if it wasn't for the conservatives and libertarians, the grassroots activists behind me, who have been who really been pulling for me. Because when you see all that media on social, all the social media, you know that's not bots. Those aren't Russian bots. Those aren't paid pollsters. That that's not a, a trick. Those are real people who are deeply concerned about the future of our nation. And I'm just very glad that no matter what, I can hold up the torch, the light of liberty for them, for even even, even if it was a short time. Because you know what, Jamie, campaigns are temporary, but the movement for freedom is forever. Yeah, well, uh, well put, my friend. And uh, honestly, good luck to you today. And uh, hopefully you'll be available tomorrow as well. And uh, we'll talk to you then, man. Talk to you then, Jamie. Have a great day. All right, you too. And you could uh, follow him on Twitter, obviously, AP for Liberty, uh, at, at, uh, at, at AP for Liberty, and also uh, Austin Peterson. For, I, I don't remember the website, but you guys know where to find him all. So uh, honestly, uh, get out to the polls. Don't need to tell you guys that, I know. 
and I will tell you that that I I will again uh, go back to uh, the self congratulation here regarding all of us and regarding the show. And one thing I can say for sure is, uh, no matter what the outcome of this particular. Uh, race is, uh, this particular election is, I think we've done our due diligence in terms of vetting people, talking to people, uh, getting out and giving giving every single candidate a chance to, to say their piece and, and talk about what they're doing and, and talk about who they are. And so I'm, I'm very proud of that fact. And so I appreciate all of you in helping to uh, facilitate that and, and you all being so engaged. It's like really um, my pride and joy and my great honor to be uh, on the radio with all of you and all you smart Alex out there and all you people who are passionate about your world. So I appreciate you as always. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, kick it out here, shall we? Took me a little long. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Have a safe one. Tomorrow we'll wrap everything up. I'll probably do a couple of Facebook Lives tonight at a couple of campaign places, parties. Get that together. and So stay tuned for that. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. RadioFreeAlman.com. We are signing off here from the beautiful Discovery Design Studios. DiscoveryDesignInc.com. Have a good one.